Welcome, everybody, to the Cult of Dave Podcast Network. New chapter this morning in the battle against Ebola. Nickelback are back. The multi-platinum band has just announced a new album and a North American summer. Until you see the flaming bottle, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> I don't drink much anymore. If I'm doing some music stuff, I'll make sure I have a couple. Yeah. Probably be good for only one myself. Hey, what? Tear my next one off. All right, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Something Good For You podcast, where the two of us sift through the bullshit to try to find a little something good to give you each and every single week. And I am one of your two co-hosts, Alex Stiff. And across from me, we've got Captain Nunn. Hey, yo. Hey, y'all. <laughs> Hold my beer. Hey, y'all. Watch this. <laughs> I got my caffeine, I got my hydration, and I got my alcohol. It's Lord of mercy. My pee is going to smell real weird after this. And we're just going <laughs> to... God damn. <laughs> and we're just jumping right into it. We've got a very special guest with us today, uh, John Bowman. Uh, of many hats you wear... Bassist uh, at one point, current guitarist for the War Boys, uh, record producer, record label manager, essentially. Plus, I guess so. Plus <laughs> family <laughs> and everything else. So you're a very busy man. So thank you very much for stopping on in and taking the time to chat with us today. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. <laughs> of course. And a place near and dear to your heart. This show is also brought to us by Repo Record down on Commonwealth Avenue. Definitely recommend checking them out at www.reporecord.com. Or if you're on those Instagram pages, you can follow them at Repo Record. Record Store Day should be tomorrow by the time you're listening to this. And I know I'm actually going to wind up being in line. Are you planning on, can, are you trying to come out to Repo or any record store to pick up any of the record store day releases, John Bowman? I don't typically do record store day. Really? Yeah. Uh, you know, you talked about all the things that I'm involved in. Mm-hmm. So I don't really have time to do record <laughs> yeah. store day. <laughs> I, I live I mean, this every day. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I like the concept and everything, but yeah, money's tight. Time is non-existent so i'm normally at home on record store day i like to hit the record stores when nobody else is there that's the best thing (laughs) actually with everything that uh you're involved with john uh, a little thing i threw out last episode that i haven't personally been affected on but i've heard other people kind of curious if you have with record store day um causing longer lead times or jacking up uh the price of records uh for indie labels or indie bands trying to get stuff done have you wound up running into more corporate bands just now going we're doing shit for record store day so suck it i mean i've definitely heard of instances now you know our record is currently being uh, pressed and everything has been ahead of the schedule they laid out for really yeah well that's actually so i can't say it's affected me but i've definitely heard the stories you know yeah little guys pushed aside because x amount you know large x amount of Mm -hmm. big labels record store day stuff has to be done and ready in time and and not just one label but all of them that are participating you know so i've heard a little guy getting stepped on because of record store day in terms of uh lead times for their records being pressed but hadn't happened to me and maybe i'm just lucky i hear it's has to do with you know what time you you know when you submit your music to be pressed mm-hmm. and and other factors 
Yeah, and, and I don't know. And, I, and it's, at the same time, I can kind of understand, but it still sucks because, I mean, how many record presses are there now in the U.S.? Like maybe four or five. A lot of, I mean, we've been seeing a lot more overseas because we've been, yeah. you know, doing a little bit of price shopping, and you'll see some in Italy. You'll see a few France pop up. Yeah, that. I mean, I think maybe we have more than a lot of places have, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I've, I may be wrong about this, but I want to say that there was only one in Europe at one time in the Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. I know that's still like the big one. That's like what would be like their United, I guess. I don't know the right. name of it, but. Yeah, I just wanted to check. And I think one of my European friends recently said, oh, we only got one. It's in the Czech Republic, which I don't, I don't think he was correct. Right. But I wasn't going to argue with him. He might know better than me. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because um, the War Boys, uh, they're actually, you're actually getting ready to release a new 7-inch. Yes. Uh, split with uh, Tomcat's Torpedo Band. Yes. And uh, we got to get a little preview of that downstairs as we were pre-gaming before this. And the mastering sounds great. The quality sounds great. And um, I don't know. I may be kind of curious on this because since we've been kind of shopping around, what's what's maybe some of the things you look for when you go to press a record? <laughs> Price. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Really, it was kind of easy. We went with uh, we went with United Record Press, and mm-hmm. and some some people love them, some people hate them, some people. <laughs> been done terribly I've, wrong I've, by them i've heard you both know sides according to their account yeah some people been you know had good experiences but yeah price is definitely a factor yeah. and and you know when you when you we could trust them you know it's not doesn't seem like a you know shady operation and it's the biggest no. one you know big history i've been in business since i think the 40s you know oh wow. that employee there recently retired who had been working there since the early 70s oh wow you know so Damn. Well, I mean, you know, they're just they're just kind of a trusted place, but, yeah, but price I mean, is the biggest factor for me. I was gonna know? say they're they're yeah. definitely number one when um when I pull up Google and just do a search for you know record pressing. They're definitely number one. There's other ones I know are doing good quality. I I would have liked to went through Cascade to be honest, but they're not quite set up for seven inches yet. But yeah. when they get there, that that's who I would prefer to use. To be honest, no, Cascade does some really good stuff with their uh, twelve inches. I've heard a few different uh, pressings from a few different bands from them, and just really really good stuff. I'm, I don't know what what separates a good pressing from a bad pressing because it's all generally the same thing, isn't it? It's all you send in the music, it gets cut to the master plates, that gets on the vinyl, and then ta-da, you're done. I mean, so what's really the big difference is if if you're aware? Well, uh, I think sometimes the engineers they have there that set everything up, some are better than others. Right. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. think. Um, I've heard some things from some plants, and I'm just like, man, they just they just fed that in there too hot. Yeah, right. that's why you got a lot, lot more of of this, you know, a lot more noise on there. I'm, just, I'm okay. talking about records I worked on; they were they were clear as you know, clear as could be. And, it's and all you get it back, this- and it's got a little to it, you know, and it's not your normal, uh, you know, needle on the record. It's right, and, it's, and you're just like, hot. oh man, and it's just too hot. And it's it, all because of different tools with the manufacturing and everything. Like that, a, even down the last little detail regarding that. I think I think some of that's just different engineer, you know, who's who's doing the process of, you know, taking whatever medium you sent to them and and you know making them plates and things like you said. But uh, I've also seen some where the, you know, how the the records press it squeezes and compresses the the hot wax or whatever you want to call it, and then 
the little thing goes around and cuts the yeah. excess off. Right. I've seen where the, 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 the edges are just like, it just looks like they let a little baby chew it off. Oh, I've seen those. It went around the edge. <laughs> oh, I've seen those too. Why is it fucking cutting your thumb as you're trying to get it out of the sleeve and shit? Yeah. yeah dangerous records. Yeah, I've seen those before, definitely. And, yeah. Um, you know, you never know in a way, you know, there's so many different... Um, qualities of recording too you know you're just like i don't know if it sounds this way because of the pressing plan or the i mean i know when i record something it goes to vinyl what was what you know and most time i've been done right and i know i've been i, I couldn't name you all the pressing plants because i wasn't the label guy for right, all right. of them you know but but mostly we've been done right there's only been a time or two something come back and i was kind of disappointed but it wasn't really nothing you could do about it i'm sure the difference in uh, recording on a uh, tape and a uh, digital affects uh, your vinyl pressing too oh yes let me tell you that <laughs> man people talk about the advantage the the advantage of vinyl as far as the sound quality it don't make a shit bit of difference if you record it digitally you know if, exactly if, if don't get me wrong i like vinyl but if you unless you went analog from the start i just don't think you're getting anything special you know other than you know the physical record itself which makes us smile makes us happy and the larger artwork and things that come with exactly. it you know you're not squinting look at little cd liner notes you know <laughs> i mean that's why i really love records it's just an awesome thing to hold no, in your hand and package. have you know it's, it's, but sometimes they do sound better you know the older ones where everything was it was like and, and it's certain uh, log all the way because they were all mastered to be pressed on cd uh or at least uh when digital was just getting started it was oh. all getting mastered to get on cd so you still get that cd quality when you put on these newer vinyls and stuff like that yeah well Man, there was also an era where CDs sound like ass because they weren't remastering them mm-hmm. for CD. They they were the, that old, same old master that was suitable for vinyl. And yeah, then you got it on CD like and it were, was those thin. very first uh, CD pressings. I had a few of those. Yeah, it was just thin as hell. You you just, know. You'd have to crank up the volume to get a get a, a decent volume out of it. So actually, <laughs> uh, to kind of play devil's advocate, because I do agree with you. You know, you got to really start analog to analog to make sure you get that genuine sound but uh with what y'all were just talking about with the eqing with the uh, those initial cds they were still using the mastering for vinyl and it sounded very thin and you had to crank it you know and really mess with your settings to get it sound right so with that same mindset of course a band is going to master their stuff differently for them to be pressed on vinyl yeah yeah isn't there a natural warmth to the vinyl that would maybe overall make your recording sound better since you're already taking out some of the low end that would be present in a heavy digital release you're cutting out some of that and replacing it with the natural vinyl sound so it it's almost a mixture it's it's almost like a dual um What's the painting when you're doing like multiple kinds of paints on a single canvas? I forget the Uh, technical term. You're talking to the wrong guy. I I, I know. (laughs) Fuck. Either way, it feels like it's almost kind of meshing the two together. Alex is just painting, uh, doing uh, Bob Ross No, there's a fucking term to it. It's, It's like mixed. It's like when you mix digital and uh, canvas art. Is called something mixed media, or there you go. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it, thank you, asshole. It's not some artsy fartsy term, it's just some shit I couldn't think of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's almost like a mixed media. I'm not culture. <laughs> 
it's almost like a mixed media recording at that point. You're taking yeah, it a is, digital aspect and then you're adding the warmth of the um, vinyl to it. I right. don't know. I see what you're getting at, though. I'm telling you, though, digital is very unforgiven. You know, I mean, when yeah. I first started recording, we were using tape. It was a. Uh, I forget what they're called. I should know, but it, you recorded the VHS tapes. Usually it was, the studio I worked in was 16 tracks. What year was and, that? Uh, 2000, okay. I think. You know, but this is an older studio. It's probably built in the 90s, you right. know, but, but the, you know, you put two VHS tapes into two machines that mm. were, were synced, you know, there was a, a a clock that kept them synced, you know, and you recorded a VHS tapes, you know, and I mean, there was, there's like a certain kind of compression you get going to tape anyways. That's right. Before anything yeah. else. And you don't have that with, with digital. What you get is what it really was. And it's actually a much harder medium to work with, you know, so people can do a digital recording from start to finish and it sounds great. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of talent and a lot of taste that goes into that, you know, it's, it's hard. Yeah. It's especially, especially because with what you were saying with, uh, tapes and records, there's a natural bit of, uh, compression and equalization that happens on that file regardless. So even if you put it on a shitty record player, you're still going to get a certain audio quality out of it. Out of when, the vinyl? Mm -hmm, and out of tape. Even if you put in a shitty tape player, you're still going to get a certain sound out of it. But when digital and CDs happened, those CD boom boxes none of them were equalized and none of them wound up being mastered properly. So you would put, you know, just some of those boom boxes would just be absolute garbage with CDs. Cause it just sounded so bad. <laughs> yep. And so talking about even a harder medium to produce, there's none of that natural compression that would really happen in that regard. So it was completely up to the player that you were putting it on to see what it sounded like. So now when we record CDs, what do you have to do? You have to make the digital version and listen to it on your phone. Then you have to listen to it on the computer. Then you have to make the CD copy and put it in your car. You have to listen to it in all these different ways. So you're right. It's a lot harder to master that kind of shit. Now. Yeah, I think so. I mean, because when I used to go to tape, there, there would be a certain amount of uh, a light but effective compression it just got from the start because also even before that that studio i was talking about i was using the little four track tape player that's the first thing i fooled with and there was a certain amount you know of natural compression things right. you got you know and and i'm not trying to diminish what people used to work completely analog used to do because there's you know it's as much art form as anything but i just, I just right. think the tape it, took, it made things a little easier a little warmer from the start nowadays you got to work a little harder to get towards it and and now there's a lot of things digital allows us to do that was unheard of back then but you know people shouldn't think that oh you can just computer magic anything into a masterpiece because that's not true no. you still got to have a great song to begin with and then you've got to have people play it the way it you know is intended to be heard at the end you know you mm -hmm. kind of kind of what you get laid down i mean you're not going to you're not going to take you can't make chi uh, chicken salad out of chicken shit. You know, <laughs> you just—it's still got to be good. You know, and I think digital's no, really, is, really no, unforgiving. No, you're absolutely right, though. Whenever we go and record, we have our own little tiny setup in a room with a with a digital and everything too. So we work really hard to get that room warmth, and we <clears> get one without any, you know, you know, manipulation of like reverb or EQ or anything like that either. So you're right; it is an art form to get something like that down and do it right the way i record with a mobile unit and going to various locations i prefer the most dead room 
that I can have, you know, even a, a room that sounds good, but it's too lively can make the mixing and stuff a challenge later on, you know, I but I've been in the, in rooms that just happen to be perfect too. Just like, oh man, it just sounds too good to be true, you know? And when we were recording at Barry's, um, first couple of times it was a little too lively and then we got some, some good treatment up and it was sounding amazing. And then he had a neighbor that bitched and complained and called the yeah. law and just, can't do a damn we, thing over there yeah man. that that's such because our first recording was over was there, there yeah, so we got a yeah. great drum sound yeah. in that room even though it was uh accidentally left on mono <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk about that <laughs> i'm telling you they don't hate on the mono there's something to it i know but i was i was there you go <laughs> get you it on. still works <laughs> <laughs> no it was just one of those things i was beating myself up because it was the first album and wanted to mix it myself and like one or two drum tracks on there wound up getting separated but the rest of the uh tracks on the album mono drums so yay yay for me i'm a dumbass <laughs> hey i don't hate it i still i still like it and hey if uh the listeners out there do want to call up and tell me how much i'm a dumbass you can mm. do that through our voicemail hotline number and that number is 513-463-7439, where you can give us a call any time of day, any time of night, and tell us what's on your mind. We actually do have a couple voicemails this week. What do you fucking know? Uh, the very first one up here is from longtime friend Tony Leone. You know Tony, right? Uh, Dirtbag Love Affair. I know who he is, and I've I've met him, I think, but I don't. I wouldn't say I know him. Well, let's listen to the voicemail. Let's get to know him a little better. Hey, boys, Tony Leone. I got a question for you. Buck Cherry recently came out with a new album called War Paint, and I had all but written off Buck Cherry. I actually was a pretty big fan of their earlier work. And then, man, they came out with some trash albums and saw them live recently compared to how I used to see them. And it's just, it took a left turn. Very Hollywood, uh, just not very good. But this last album I've enjoyed thoroughly, minus the really terrible Nine Inch Nails cover, which I almost did not listen to this album because they came out with that song. The rest of the album is really a little bit reminiscent of what they used to do. So my question is, can you think of a band that lost you, that you had written off, that came out with a single or an album that brought you back in? All right, boys, take care. <laughs> All right, well, Tony, before I even uh, approach your question, why the hell are you even giving <laughs> Buck Cherry a chance again? <laughs> that's my. That's the question I have. I'm, I'm gonna be absolutely honest with you. I got lost on the whole question because I just was like, "God damn, why are we talking about Buck Cherry, <laughs> the band that owes shitloads of money to Chuck Berry for just changing his letters around and right? running with it, <laughs> doing that Black Crows meets Motley Crue kind of bullshit." <laughs> so Tony, I'll have to have you back on the show, and you're gonna have to defend yourself on why the fuck you even listen to that band, but. <laughs> His initial question, which was, has there been a band that you liked in the beginning and they lost you and you'd basically written them off and then they finally gave you a record you wanted and they sucked you back in? Oh, man. I'd have to think on that a little bit. But I know that's that happened because there's, there's definitely a lot of bands that I love that lost me over time. Right. You I, know? I have one. You have one? What, what, what you got, Cap? I'm going to pull it up on the uh, 
on Spotify, uh, the, the catalog for uh, uh, catalog purposes. But it was certain eras. Uh, it's, I'm talking about Anthrax. And uh, when uh, Anthrax first started getting on my radar, they were already in the John Bush era. Oh, yeah. And I like Scott Ian and members of the band from watching them on VH1 docs growing up and stuff like that, too, when Scott Ian was just a talking head on every one of them. I'm like, oh, this guy's cool. I should check out his band. Oh, they did this stuff with Flavor Flav. That's fun. And then started, and this was when I was starting get, to get into heavy metal in general with Metallica and Slayer and Anthrax and all that, too. And uh, with Anthrax, I just wasn't into John Bush at all. But yeah. VH1 Classic and uh, people by, uh, having CDs at their house with uh, Belladonna era Anthrax was way cool. And uh, That's interesting because it, it's odd. I actually like the Bush era. The Bush era was, they had a couple of jams, but overall, I just wasn't into it. Like, I'm actually annoyed the Bush era stuff isn't on Spotify. There's one album I know, from that's that. why it's taking me so long to get to it. I'm like, where the there, fuck it's, is it's it? It's an album called uh, Volume 8, The Threat's Real. There are some fucking good songs on that record, and I'll kind of go back and listen to that one more Interesting. Than the other stuff. And, and uh, there were a couple of jams on the Sound of White Noise, too. That's the only one I can find on this one, but... Uh, when they, but overall, I just wasn't that into it, and really preferred the Belladonna era. So when he came back and the and released, in particular, worship music, that was well, worship music, really. Yeah, was that the one that had the uh, yellow, that had the yellow skulls and all that too? The fight until you can. Okay, and yeah, all yeah, that. yeah, that album, yeah, that fucking that's awesome. And when they put out that album, I was like, holy shit, <laughs> Anthrax is fucking back. <laughs> you keep grinning over here. Yeah, I got one. I Which, got one that's probably going to knock your dicks up in your watch pocket right here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to open. We haven't talked about them yet, but I'm going to open the Kiss Pandora's box. Uh-oh. Here we go. Uh-oh. All right, now. I love Kiss like you guys do, mm-hmm. but I'm just like, all right, original era is the best. I like stuff from other eras, but I don't give a shit what they're doing in their personal lives. I don't care how good or bad their live show is today. I don't give a damn. They're just a legend in my mind, and I prefer to keep <laughs> them that way, and that's part of the reason I won't go see them. Right. You know? Yeah. As much, I think I would have a good time, but still. It, I think even if I went and seen a lip synky version that was like a some kind of trumped up show instead of a real kiss concert i would enjoy it because i love kiss but you just don't want to see paul and gene do it to get down to the, the nitty-gritty what i'm about to say i've only listened to this album one time but when i listened to it i enjoyed it and that was monster the really? late is it the latest one it was yeah, the last one they, the last did. One yeah. they did i actually when i was listening to it i kept hearing parts and it was gene stuff and i was just like he is kicking ass on this like i can't believe and and I went into it with low expectations because everybody's like, mm, you know, which I understand. <laughs> yeah. Because nothing lives up to that classic era, you know, even to me. But and they know I listened to it yeah. and, and I, I, I'm not familiar enough with that. I'm going to tell you much about it, but I just know there's a bunch of parts in it and it was mostly Gene stuff. And I was like, Gene is kicking ass. What the hell? Like, why do people no, not I've, like this? I'll, I'll I'm enjoying this. <laughs> I'll back you up on that, son, because I, I listened to it a handful of times because exactly with what you were saying, there are some Gene material songs in there that are really good. And some of the Paul stuff is okay. My favorite one on there, though, is the Eric Singer song. And because Paul wrote it, 
to be a Peter song and Eric just sang it. Gotcha. <laughs> and, and, it's, and because of that, it's good because it just, it comes from the same kind of heart as like hard luck woman. It sounds like hard luck woman part two, a little beefier. You know, that's what Eric t- song about. to that's me That's the song title like. and a little beefier is in parentheses. <laughs> <laughs> but you mentioned uh, Gene being uh, kicking ass on the record. Gene really is the vocal highlight and has been for a long and time a in Kiss. Underrated bass player. Uh, yeah, to say the least. He doesn't get well. I mean, I think his personality overshows, uh, overshadows his talent a lot of times. And yeah. he's one of my like biggest influences as far as my approach to bass, as far as doing it right. And all he was doing was just a Paul McCartney, yeah, exactly. a simplified Paul McCartney or a version or a of beefier that version of it. Yeah, more beef, huh? <laughs> we just throwing all the beef out there. <laughs> no, Gene was throwing too much beef. Well, uh, <laughs> we won't get into that. For me, uh, for the band that kind of lost me and brought me back, that one was a little hard because guys would call me whatever the hell. For some reason, I haven't found a lot of new bands I've been able to follow long enough to drop and then for them to bring me back in you do better than me because i keep going back to the old same old stuff because (laughs) because i was gonna kind of use that that one i was gonna maybe use kiss because i don't like the non-makeup era or any of that stuff so you know it's it's tough for me to really pick an old band and look at their back catalog and retrospective and go, this is where they would have lost me because who knows where my headspace would have been at that time. Maybe I would have loved those albums when they initially came out. So it's tough for me to do that. The only band, and I can get shit for this, I don't give God, good goddamn, but the only band that I can even pull from would be Green Day. So my first I know. So my first initial reaction to Green Day was hearing American Idiot, and they immediately lost me. I had the record. I listened to it a few times, but after I got over that initial thing when I was like fucking 12, 13 when it came out, and that was still what they were writing on, then they still hadn't released any new material. Eventually, I also say, okay, I'm so done with this. Never mind. I, I woke up. I listened to other music and went, what is this? Never mind. But then they released those three records back to back that Uno, Dos, and Trey. And there are some good garage rock sounding stuff on there. They completely abandoned that hot topic, you know, little punky sound. And they started now, playing Green Day's more. a good example. That's kind of how they were with me, too. They started playing more rock and roll stuff. And even if you look at their promos now, they do not bring up the fact that they're punk. They talk about being a rock band. And they kind of put that behind them. So the only one I can really pull from would be Green Day because I was, I still, right here in my past listens, I still listen to those records. These are still good stuff. It's still wrapped in with everything else I'll listen to. That's a band I love to to give people hell about, you Uh know? But. I think it's because a lot of people actually like them, you know, on the surface and like the singles and stuff. But they do have some deep cuts that I enjoy. Yeah, uh, and, the, and the singles that that they normally put out are like just I don't know. I, yeah, you can't I, I go by Grammy either. Yeah. Now, when no. I say I have, there's some deep cuts I enjoy. It's stuff from when I was a lot, yeah, much younger, like and and the Dookie era and all that. Yeah, it's it's all Dookie. stuff. It's all stuff from before that. I don't know what to call it. Unplugged album they did where they, it was like no uh, distortion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that was, had warning and shit and like that. By, by that time, I was just older and uninterested. You know, it's not like it, 
what they did like upset me or nothing you know I mean, yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's what happened with me with like you know american idiot when it first came out i got the record that's all i listened to for like the first year and then after that year and then i listened to other shit and i went oh okay this was, is a lot better then i just kind of looked at the cd and just kind of tossed it to the side and just ever since then everything they released was just like uh, until those came out i was what, like in eighth grade when they come out you know right. and so it was like a, it was a big deal when they come out you know and i remember a kid being like that's my favorite band now and i'm like man yeah i like that but i didn't, I didn't think it was gonna be anybody's favorite band you know right. and it's and it's weird to think give them another year or two and they'll be on what would be considered classic rock radio no, we'll hear it on there. Oh, 95, so seven, the ride. <laughs> Do you have that time? <laughs> Holy shit, I'm old. <laughs> you lying. What about um? Well, they, actually, hold on. Let, let's this will maybe kind of segue into it. I, I was gonna hold okay. this as the last voicemail, but I was gonna go ahead and play it now because it kind of works. Matt from Texas calls in. Uh, it's an episode behind, but I'm kind of glad about it because uh, it actually works in with all the music we're talking about right now. So let's see what Matt from Texas has to say. Yeah, this is Matt from Texas. Uh, <laughs> about the Nirvana thing, man. Nirvana is garbage. <laughs> Kurt Cobain even said in interviews that he would write songs in five to ten minutes. So how can you sit there and say, oh, the songwriting's good, when it's not? And he even said it himself that it wasn't good. As for the Seattle sound, the grunge sound, that was just him ripping off other bands and making it shitty and poppy. That's all he did. <laughs> Damn, Matt's got some shit to say. Matt from Texas. <laughs> Thanks, Matt from Texas. <laughs> well, so yeah, uh, with Green Day, uh, they kind of were in that whole ninety, late eighties, nineties thing, and then grunge is now sliding in in that early nineties. Yeah, and with Nirvana. So, what, what would, where were you kind of in your mind frame in that point? Oh, the Nirvana thing. Mm-hmm. Um. When they kind of all right, popped the, out. the big thing you always hear about say knocked Michael Jackson off the number one spot. It's funny because I remember where Michael Jackson was at the time, but it was a couple years before I actually become aware of Nirvana, even as big as they were. I really? swear to God, I mean, I grew up out in the country and stuff, and and nobody gave a damn about them, even as big as they were, till a couple friends at school called on a little bit, you know. And by that time, they already had In Utero out, you know. Really, and I and I liked them for a bunch of years, you know. But all I knew of them was um, you just kind of missed them. Was in utero and never mind. And then when I got older, I got the incesticide CD, and then I heard the stuff before, and and like then later, uh, in the, I don't know what year it was, early two thousands, they released a big old box, and I really didn't like. Never minded in Euro at all anymore, and I thought all the stuff before that was kind of what where it was at. Really, I mean, because they were more like a band, like, like the kind of stuff I really liked. So you, you know? became a Nirvana hipster. Oh yeah, like demos and all that. Yeah, uh, some of those, uh, like I guess they're really demos. I mean, to, to me now, there's much Nirvana songs as anything, like Buffy's Pregnant and Mrs. Buttersworth. I mean, to me, those are just like, there's nothing like those quite. And they, they were kind of black flaggy in a way. Some of them songs have a black flag. Oh, yeah, they thing come from going, a hardcore but, but then, background. But then he brings in that pop thing he really liked, you know. And, and that's kind of my thing. That like those And then them other songs, I'm just like, man, all that other shit is like, oh, you know, now I hate my life and I, everything's depressing. Yeah. And that's, see, that's not me. You right. liked them back when they were fun kids, like trying to start a punk band. Well, and shit. I liked them when they were weird. And I'm weird, <laughs> and that's what I liked. And. 
And to me, they were weird when they, you know, when I first got into them, you know, and, I, and that's what attracted. But that, but you know, after time and, and getting into a lot more stuff, you kind of that's see weird. It for what I just like, oh, this ain't so fucking weird. This is just big radio shit. And, exactly. and gonna, the uh, the earlier stuff was just like, you know, I still like it. That was that answers a question I was going to put on the table. If was there a band that you just did not give a damn about for a long time, you know, growing up or whatever, but as you've gotten older, you just kind of embraced because it's been bleeding in your psyche for so long where it's like you take little oh. things from it and apply to your songwriting or guitar playing or whatever. Man, I'll tell you, man, I never hated, but I never... Uh, got into and actually didn't take serious enough until it just grabbed me by the boo boo and that was uh, <laughs> Thin Lizzy. Like it just yeah, it just I mean, into you. I, I knew I knew some of the bigger songs, but the radio wore out. Boys are back in town. It just wore it out, and then you know, and I always liked that. But then after it was wore out to me, I was like, oh, whatever, you oh. know. And uh, I found out but, about the deep cuts early. I was like, oh, they are more than the boys are back in town. There are better songs yeah. than this. I, I dated a girl for a little while that was that was her favorite band. I kind of thought, man, why is Thin Lizzy your favorite band? Like, they're good, but they're not a favorite band so you kind like- of band. And I actually had some of their records, and I wasn't that fond of it, and I gave them to her. And then just about a couple years later, it just one were they? Uh, Jailbreak and Johnny the Fox and oh, such a good one though. Uh, a couple other ones, but but man, at the time I was real punk. You know what I mean? I was just right. like, wow. You know, <laughs> that was like the like, SFTM days for me. You know, and I, don't and like I just wasn't hippies. I wasn't laid back back then. Like I was I was really wound tight, and I, I you know, hated everybody. I wanted to headbutt people, and that's kind of where I was. You know, my yeah. <laughs> my, my, my my mindset at the time. <laughs> But I got a little older and mellowed out, and I was just like, I see what it's all about now. And mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit. That's one of those like, bands where like, the when best you band get, ever. When you get it, it's like, there's so much goodness in this. <laughs> yeah. And and also, there's a phase you go through, too. You realize how great they were, but then you're like, oh, but yeah, this one album, it's, it's just a little too yeah. laid back. But then, peaks and valleys. but then that comes up, too, and you're like, oh, God, man, nightlife <laughs> even kicks ass. And you're like, <laughs> you know? Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There ain't nothing they've done. I don't. I don't like. I like it all. I like. It. There ain't a song they've got that I hate. You know. Yeah. yeah I can't bit really of hate it. on any. Even like uh, Thunder and Lightning and all that. Yeah. I even. Yeah. I like that for being kind of metal. You know. Exactly. I yeah. just kind of lean into it a little. But I was gonna say on. Uh, I didn't give a shit about Tom Petty for the longest time, but mm. now that I'm putting together songs that are like in that little like box, like studio wise, and just kind of seeing that they had the same approach to making records. I've been leaning hard into Tom Petty's catalog. And I'm not a I'm not a big Tom Petty guy, and everybody's always like, "Man, you not Tom Petty." Like, <laughs> I used to be like that every too. Every person with a low IQ that I encounter is just like, "God damn, it's Tom Petty." Oh, I know it. That was, and, uh, that was my that so was my thought process for the longest time too. That and being really burnt out on the radio tunes. Oh yeah, made me they not take him very serious. But that damn last DJ album is awesome that is a masterpiece that people do not talk about enough that no, thing is good he from made, start to finish and it is it's a perfect record that's really. why i kind of like got into him or i gave him a chance like uh early on or when i got tired of the radio hits i started embracing new stuff because you didn't hear it a lot but it was still good and helped held up with the rest of his catalog too oh yeah no no i would definitely agree uh i would say early on i've actually quit listening to punk a lot 
and that used to be all I'd listen to. Same thing with you, you know, it's just that piss and vinegar. I got some comments you know. on that in a moment. All right, well, <laughs> actually, on that, uh, I, I won't waste any more time. We've got one more voicemail, and it's for someone all three of us know, in fact. Uh, someone that I do want to get on the show at some point. Uh, we just got to figure out the right time to do it, and that might wind up being a multi-parter, because <laughs> I don't think we'll wind up being able to turn off the microphone if we had this individual on. So let's see what they've got to say. Hey guys, it's Rebecca Clayton, Alex's mom. I just wanted to let you guys know you're doing a fabulous job with your podcast. Very interesting, very fun. When you guys laugh, I laugh out loud. That's a that's a great song. Um, my question for you, and this is for Alex as well as Cap, Mikey, whoever else may be on your show. I would like to know the three top bands that have inspired you the most on an emotional level that made you want to play music. I also want to know, and I want you to name names, the two bands that uninspire you the most or piss you off the very most when you listen to them. Can't wait to hear your answers. Guys, keep kicking ass. Bye. Thank you, Mama. <laughs> See, now you... That's you, a loaded you, question. You, you wonder where I get my <laughs> annoyances from. She's even sitting here going, yeah, 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 the ones that really, you know, hit you in the heart that's always going to stick with you music-wise. And what's the two bands that just stick in your side? So you guys want to know where I get my annoyances from? Okay, it's passed down. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I said I'd love, to have her on a, I'd love to have her on a show because... You need to. Have two of y'all at the mic, right? I don't know. You'll about be fucking that. outmanned. <laughs> nah. Well, let's kick you off. Put Clayton on. <laughs> Clayton will be do like, a family episode. <laughs> That's an idea, right? Here. So me or Clayton would probably be able to get a word in edgewise. <laughs> Well, I would say uh, to go ahead and start that one, one of the bands for me would be Annie Scene, uh, because that was a band I think that all three of us have a real deep connection with. Absolutely. Uh, because something that I kind of touched on earlier, but didn't want to, you know, take the lead with. Definitely wanted to talk about War Boys and what you've got currently going on. But at one point, you were the mad bass slinger for Annie Scene. Yeah, I was. And the funny thing about that is I had never even heard of them before the first night I went to see them, which was the 20th anniversary show. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, I was hanging out with some friends of mine. I was like, what's going on tonight? And one of them was the nephew of the guy who filmed all the Uncle Goddamn stuff. Mm, okay. And he's like, man, I'm going to see Annie Shane, you know, and I'm just like, what the hell is this? You know, he's like, man, it's a punk rock band. It used to be Gigi Allen's backup band for a little while, and uh, they're from here and stuff. And I was just kind of like, I always had this like, up until that point, I had this misconception that like punk bands were all from New York, L.A., very large cities in between. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I had no idea that like any of them come from my area, you know? And I was like immediately interested. And I was like, that sounds like what we're doing tonight. And we all rode up there and saw, and we went to manifest before at that time. I'd never been in manifest. I had never even been in a record store that big. Like I'm, I'm from the middle of nowhere, you know? Right. Like it's a miracle. I grew up knowing who the Ramones were. And, <laughs> and listen, I grew up. So in the middle of nowhere that like, I was like aware of them, 
to a certain extent, but I had to like for years think about when well, what's that band with the long black hair? They, it's like it's almost like they're making fun of the Beatles. What the hell is that? <laughs> oh shit? yeah, they were cartoon they got a characters song on one of the, the vacation movies. What and, and like and then my older cousin told me who they were, mm-hmm. and she was she knew all about it, you know. And then I start I saw them on TV a couple times, and then it, that, that's how I got into punk. It, it Ramones. Like, knowing it was the kind of music I liked. Like, me and my brother still didn't know who they were. We knew the little hey-ho, let's go chant. And we would do right. like That's how I was, too, because I grew up in the middle of nowhere, not knowing about the Ramones like that either, uh, other than just, you know, cartoon character band that I would see on TV every now and then. And I knew it went from, until, like, years later where I discovered the genius of the music. Yeah, and I, I kind of knew them from the Pet Cemetery soundtrack. Right. You know what I mean? And uh, so, when I heard there was a band, a punk band from Charlotte that was a big thing i was just like i got to go and when i checked it out man it's like it it took all those misconceptions i had and just like wiped them away and i was just like this is what i've been looking for like <laughs> like you can be a punk rock band and you can be a big old hick and hillbilly like i am too you know and man, i already had that idea anyway because that's what i was into and i already had a band at the time you know but it 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 was a big eye opener i had no idea that just a few short years later about five years later i'd be yeah. in the band you know so that was, you know, and I always had this fantasy. I was like, I want to be in one of them old 80s, you know, punk rock bands, and the old, you know, American hardcore bands or whatever. You know what I mean? And then I got to do it. So, like, yeah. I'm like a dream come true case in a way, you know. And, <laughs> it, you no, know, that, that to me really is. And, and even though, you know, I always hold the anti-scene, you know, family, you know, just very close to my heart, and I consider them family. It, it's you can't still, help it now. <laughs> yeah. yeah really you ain't it, got a choice <laughs> i know right but it's like even before you know that connection was made i still always saw the weight and the heaviness of the excitement of being able to do that like when you know when the unfortunate passing of joe happened and you know word finally came around of you know russ stepping up and doing that i still couldn't be any happier for him i was like holy shit i am so fucking happy for you man because it's like of course we all knew russ from even before then so it's like seeing him being able to do that and you know now being able to stand side by side with clayton and do that is is something that is never lost on me so i completely see where you're coming from on that just being i don't like, know wow if, i don't know if everybody knows it but uh russ is a guy joe named at one point if anybody yep. happens to me That's get true. get russ to do it he'll yep. do a good job and this you know That's and, when, crazy. and when joe died you know i was so attached to him i kind of was like in my mind i was like man i just i just hate that see it like it just nothing will ever be the same you know but jeff told me we're gonna, we're gonna do it and, and we're gonna do it with russ and uh and I remembered him saying that, and I was like, "Good, hey, it does need to keep going, yeah. you know." And I'm, I'm super happy, but and and I and I think of I anyone, like my role with the band now. I like being the guy that mixes it and stuff. I enjoyed my time in the band, but I, but I, I enjoy this role even more, really, you know, because I get the freedom to do my band and things like that. But then I get to mix and help make those records, and I think the records have been better since I have been in that role than when i was in the band that's what i'm trying plus, to learn how to do plus you're a little bit more separated from it so when you yeah. get the track sent to you to mix and master you haven't been in the studio you haven't been writing the that's stuff right. and and here's the thing the more steps of the process you're involved in the more you have to divide your attention and mm-hmm. your time and that's that's really why on big records it's like this guy did this job this guy did this job this guy did this job you know what i mean like producer engineer mixer master dude you know session I guys to, like a lot of my projects i do it all i do every bit of it and and that's fine i do a good job a lot of times but when i get something that's that's already been through 
several hands and everything was done right and then it gets to me it's just like oh man i can it's it's like a dream come true you know what yeah. i mean like oh, all yeah. my attention goes into that one roll or those two rolls and that's i do what, the best work i do i can do at that point you know that's what we're slowly learning how to do right now at our studio where like uh different folks are playing different roles now as engineer producer utilities whatever and just makes everything a lot smoother oh yeah what would you say your favorite role to play would be what you currently do or do you do you prefer to be on the recording side of it, or do you like being? Um, this is what I would like, and the reason why is because I don't get to to do just this. But I would like to just be a band sometime. I would like to just write the songs, practice them, and then go in a studio and let everybody do all the rest of that stuff right. that you pull your hair out over. <laughs> right. I'd like to only do the parts that I enjoy the most, which are, I, mean, I enjoy, I I enjoy the other for. parts. I enjoy recording. I enjoy mixing and mastering, but I would, I would really like in my own band to just, you know, write the songs, practice them with my bandmates, and then go and – record them and have somebody else do all the stuff that makes me bang my head against the wall and do <laughs> you know you know what i'm saying like I, I, I would like i would like to do that for once and what's probably I, the most tedious thing that you have to deal with when it comes to being on the label side of things it's just do, doing all those things like i, I brag on the internet not, not like in sentences and words but with my little hashtags on instagram <laughs> sometimes like self-produced you know and right I'm, but I want to show people they can do it. They ain't got no damn excuse for not doing something. Like, well, I got this idea for a band, but like, I don't have money to record, and I don't have any, you know. No, I just do it. Whatever capacity you can do it in, just do it. That's, and that's and what I it like, should be. I know that sometimes when I, you know, when me and my bandmates have to do every little step of it, you know, sometimes you know because the attention gets divided, maybe this step wasn't as good. Our best thing ever. But at the end, we have something that we controlled from start to finish, and we love it. At the end, it's our baby, and. You do know, you, th- you can't you think the you can't fuck with us, man. We're go- we're not gonna we're not gonna like not do something just because we don't have money or mm-hmm. we you don't got help or whatever. You know, just do it. And with the, all these outlets online, there's no excuse anymore, really, as far as getting your name out there. Yeah, today especially, there's no damn excuse. If all them, if all them guys in like the the late seventies and eighties, when when the punk thing kind of come big, and you know, a couple guys realized that all you got to do to get a record is like uh, record the damn thing and like send it to the pressing plant, you know, and then you can have it. Like, and you know, like I mean, I don't know. It, there's just not a lot of excuses for not doing something other than that you just got in your own way. You no, know, there's yeah. nobody that like comes around to bands and goes, oh, I'm going to keep you from doing anything because you're not a good band. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're, you're the only one getting in your own way. Just yeah. make it happen. So you'll become a better band. You'll become a better, uh, better at your craft and uh, you'll find your audience. Because, yeah, I, because I would say there's certainly no band sitting there going, ha, 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 I'm going to keep you from succeeding. Uh, but but we've, we've actually certainly been on the receiving end of um, sticker ripping and flyer ripping, and I've been there, <laughs> and, and you know, and and that sort of thing can still kind of be. Oh, look at you, magic man! Oh, wow! <laughs> Snap a photo of this so people have a little bit of context because this is a uh, 
audio medium. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I had to do something visual because I hear you complaining. When people, are, people are doing things. I was going to say, you, you were see. a great guest, and now you're fucking it up. Look <laughs> now, at you. Now asshole. we got to do the Joe Rogan video thing. <laughs> no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> we're no, all too ugly but, for that shit. But y'all were talking about uh, bed. <laughs> <laughs> Speak for your own damn self. Look, Cap's shit. got his arms up with his armpits right? showing. <laughs> I told you, I got do my whole. I got my do you whole, shave those? <laughs> no, nah, dude. It's just. Uh, I'm just that fucking but, like but a bro. Like I mean, well, I got deodorant on that looks nasty, so I'm not doing that. But still, I built, <laughs> built like a 12 year old. It's just, it's just how it is. So, but, uh, and, but, as far as uh, bands that I'm emotionally involved with, uh, I was actually gonna just move away from that because we hadn't even. I was gonna try to get us back on your mom's question. Okay, okay. We, well, we just like let there her ask go. it, and then we just. Laugh. I was just gonna well, add, see. I had already planned. See your mom. See, I see. Ed, I had already wrapped up something for in my head for at the end of that, and been like, and that's how we avoid my mom's <laughs> question for the entire. I had already no, pre-planned want, that. In let's my answer. Head. We should. I was just gonna say. I was still gonna acknowledge it. We should. <laughs> well, I was just gonna put any scene on my list too because I got pulled into the any scene camp, uh, or at least. Uh, just got involved with that circle pretty early on from my first days in Charlotte. But you'd even heard of them. I'd heard of them briefly, just, you know, like uh, Bowman was saying, uh, Gigi Allen Association. Right. And that was kind of like my first, like, rock star person, personality, whatever that I, well, not my first, but uh, punk rock personality yeah. I got exposed to and everything, too. And just kind of intimidated by all the videos <laughs> of him hitting himself in the head with the. <laughs> All the wrestling moves so, and all that. But. So my one and his one would be any scene. What would you would you put them in a yeah? They're one. I, I think Definitely. that's what I meant to say. Okay. By you know, and and they had to be number one on the list because uh, it's a, it's a band I got to be in. You know, and that is amazing. And, uh, let me let me just brag. Let me just stroke myself. Right, go here. ahead, go ahead. Right. This, is, I, I this is the narcissistic medium. Come I didn't, on now. I didn't bark up Jeff's tree about it. Like I got an invitation that I just thought I would. You know, like I mean, even if the thought had crossed my mind. Of being in a band, I'd be like, nah, that'll never happen. That not me. <laughs> There's no way. You know? So I didn't even think to do that, but I got I got the call, you know, one day. About probably a year before it was supposed to happen, you know. Yeah. And uh I was blown away. I I couldn't believe my ears, you know. And I was like, Oh my God. So I <laughs> had a lot of time leading up to it to to think about it and get ready and but, but, but yeah, they're that one of that, one of the main bands that I I I like him was a big influence on me. And it has a lot to do with the, the vicinity too, that they were here, mm -hmm. they were from here and they kind of, they, they caused a paradigm shift with me. You know, I, I had these, you know, conceptions about punk rock and where you had to be from and this and that. And then I found out it was right here in my area and yeah. it came from here and it was a bigger thing than I could imagine. You know, it's crazy so how one. such just a single show can kind of, send someone on a path a single show just makes something click in someone's head go oh yeah we can all do this we can all kick this exactly ass. as far as other bands that touch me on a, like an emotional level or a motivational level i can't i can't keep it to only three and, and a lot of them i can't really <laughs> expound on too much i can't say enough about because i could just any one of them I could go on for, hey, you want to do an eight-hour podcast? Right. <laughs> X-Band, you know, but there, there's a bunch, you know, and like, I mean, some of them are the obvious things that affected everybody. Bands that were so big, they, you know, they left a mark on everything that come after, like Beatles and the Stones. Right. And I was just going to Things like that, you know, I mean, it, there's those are obvious yeah, ones everybody's going to come up that. with. But but when I was a kid, I was talking about growing up in the middle of nowhere and, and all that, but I had a friend and... He was the fifth child in his family. He was his parents' fifth child, 
And I think the brother of his that was closest in age to him was, I know, more than a decade older than him, maybe even 15 years older than him. I, right. I just I just know his brother was so much older than him that uh, him and his nephew were more like brothers than he was. But, man, this dude, I don't know how, but he knew about everything. He knew about Kiss. He knew about, well, Kiss is, you know, we knew about Kiss, but he was the kid who liked Kiss. Right. right? And knew all the deep cuts. And then he knew about the Misfits, which was a big thing. And, like, man, I'm not a huge Misfits dude nowadays, but back then it had a certain impact on you. Oh, yeah. And back when you're listening to Misfits, before the the little comeback with Michael Graves and stuff, mm-hmm. Misfits was like a mystic thing. Like, it was scary almost. Like, when you listen to the Halloween song where he's doing the, the spell to turn himself into a werewolf, you're just like, God damn, Glenn Danzig is like when a mystic dude who can, like, do all this shit. Back and you're, when, like, you're scared, you know, because you're like a little kid. Like, yeah. I was like 11, 12, 13. I'm like... Oh my God. I remember when Glenn Danzig had lore. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Now it's kitty litter. (laughs) Yeah. There it goes. The internet ruined the whole mystique. (laughs) But, but seriously, like when you listen to like some of them, like weird train of thought lyrics he had and stuff back in the time, like, you know, isn't no, it, that was, it. It that was suck like, or fuck and well, be see, that was gonna be my number like, two. What the hell is he talking Isn't about? It, you're like, oh my god, this is crazy. This is my like the top of your head blew up like that garbage, that classic garbage pill kid. Yep. And you're just like, Ugh. well, see, that you was know, gonna be my like, number two with the Misfits. Is even though I may not be as hardcore <laughs> into them as I am today, is outside of Annie Cena and the Ramones, which I wasn't even gonna include the Ramones in mine because that's just such a given. I wasn't right. even gonna include Kiss in mine. That's such a given. The Misfits was definitely one because for the everything you just said there, so you just. Save me from having to explain it. So keep going. Just, yeah, I mean, I that's just another one. You I know, just, I just love how the internet had just just ruined Glenn Danzig. <laughs> he might deserve a little bit of it, but you know, he totally does, and I love it. I got, I got nothing against him, but if you can't if you can't do what people making fun of you, <laughs> your ego is a little too too damn big. And this is this come from the guy who already told you he really likes to stroke himself and talk about himself a lot. So what else did that kid wind up uh, turning you on to? Because it sounds like he was a pretty big role in kind of setting you on the path of good music. Oh, damn. I don't know, man. Just a lot of stuff, you know? And, mm-hmm. like, I always hope I've been uh, that friend to someone somewhere. You know, he was also a guy that turned me on to Metallica. And, and at that time, the, the Black Album was new, you know? Okay. I've been a Thin Lizzy like, convert to some folks. <laughs> we, to us, the Black Album wasn't like a departure or a sellout. Or no, we didn't know enough about that stuff. We're just like, oh, man, listen to what they've done on this one. I slowed down on this one, man. It's interesting. Okay, like to us, yeah. it was just like, oh, they got more interesting, you know. Now, now I go back and listen today, and I'm not going to listen to a lot of that. I got my choice cuts off of that, right? But I'm going to listen to the the preceding records, everything before do you that. Think, probably nothing after that. Do you think that they're but, choice cuts because they're good songs, or because you have maybe some sort of emotional good attachment they're to good it? Songs. I, I think uh, "Don't Tread on Me" is an awesome song. That that riff in the beginning, I the like "Don't Tread on Me." It's awesome as hell. I catch myself uh, like table tapping to that all the time. Yeah, I think uh, God that failed's awesome. I think, um, oh God, what's that one called? About it's about lying and shit. Uh, uh, I, I don't. <laughs> that's I don't a lot of Metallica that. songs. Yeah, I know. But uh, Unforgiven? No, not Unforgiven. I didn't like. I never really cared about that too much. Although I did hear it on the radio recently, and my wife was in the car and she wanted to listen to it, and I and I actually enjoyed it again. For the first time in a long time, you know. That's one of my favorite ones to play on guitar on, uh, 
it was one of the few Metallica songs I could play on guitar, but still. <laughs> God, what is that song called? I can't remember. I'll Holier Than Thou. Holier Than That's Thou. It. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I, liked, I, I mostly like the ones on there that was more like the, the records before it. But, yeah. But uh, So was Misfits your number two, or was that leading into I something mean, I, a little more? I have a hard time putting numbers and yeah, yeah, labels yeah. on stuff. Well, but, 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 I but I have memories attached to the yeah, Misfits yeah. and that experience that it helped me. I told you, I like weird stuff. I like mm-hmm. things that are going to blow your mind a little bit because they're different. And that's one of the earliest experiences with something like that. And it was before, you know, like I said, all the stuff where you make fun of them and you get, yeah, Oh yeah, God, yeah. everybody likes them now. And the rappers are wearing a t-shirt, even though they never heard the fucking band, you know? <laughs> and so back then it was like, it was real. See, also back before we all had access to the internet, the the rock and roll myths and rumors were like king shit. Like oh, you yeah. believed it and stuff, and like yeah. and like there was a lot, and and it really drawed you in, and you were just like, whoa, this stuff is hell. It's like it, back then it was heavier than you can ever imagine. Now today everything seems like a parody of itself by comparison. You know, it is. Almost. But all the rock and roll myths and rumors back then just it just bleed. bleed I mean, it kind of becomes a parody of itself when you get rockumentaries like The Dirt. You know, yeah. I'll tell you about that. When things are exaggerated, well, to kind of, we don't want to talk about that specifically, but to use as an example, when things get exaggerated, and when the myths become so evident, when you take something like that and even exaggerate it more, it's exactly what you say. Almost becomes a parody of itself. Well, here's the thing about exaggeration too. Like, unless you're there experiencing something for yourself, you can't convey to another person just how crazy or intense something was so you exaggerate to get the point across yeah and people don't do that on purpose all the time it's just kind of a natural condition of human behavior you know because yeah. you want to convey that feeling you had when you were there and I, that's where it comes from too and it just it, it, it was kind of a wonderful thing the way things could snowball back then and it still happens today but it's different with the internet yeah know? yeah Everything turns into a controversy. Talking about the Motley Crue thing, the one thing I was shouting back at y'all when I was listening to those previous podcasts is I hate them. (laughs) They suck. I don't care about them, but I will watch that movie in a heartbeat because I just like movies about music stories a lot. I will go. I'll probably go see it. I watch all of it too. Okay, so so since you hadn't listened to the last one, just a quick summary. Essentially, what we kind of walked away from its uh, thinking was: if this was about a fictional band, I would have loved the movie. But because it was about a band and a good 90% of what you saw in this movie actually did happen, it kind of, you kind of leave it going, eh. Well, I, I, like I probably that. would like it if I leave it hating him more because I like to hate him. And, <laughs> and you know what? That's, this kind of answers uh, your mom's question about a band that just. Just yeah, creeps into that, me. That just one like, to, yeah, I will read everything about that fucking band. Like, I've got the heroin diaries. I've got the dirt. I like reading all the stupid shit regarding it. The I like reading about it, but oh, I hate the music to an extent so much. Even though there are a couple of jams. Yeah, no, yeah, I would agree. They're like, oh, do you? Ha- is there a band where it's like you can't help but wind up seeing what they're doing, but at the same time you're just like shaking your head at the same time. No, not you know. I, I'm not gonna follow a band I hate, but there are bands. Well, we that don't pop necessarily up and I'm follow just like, something. Or it's like, God, like, or it's like we're paying attention die. to like the business of the current version of Kiss and shit like that. Yeah, it's not that we're you know. Kiss following can't do anything it. to upset me. I, I mean, because I just I'm gonna ignore it because 
and, and this is something else y'all were talking about. Y'all were, y'all were kind of weighing these different things between like the real Kiss fans and the people that have come along later, or the people that like to them it's more of like a circus show than a band, mm-hmm. or the people that you, you know, know just drop off. I just think they kind of belong to everybody at this point. They can do whatever they want. I don't care. When and, I'm their damn age, I just hope that I get as much recognition as they do, and I'll probably do equally stupid shit, you know, or, or bad <laughs> stuff in bad taste, but. I don't but know. I, it, it feels you know. like, but then okay. So this opens up a different side of the argument since you bring that up. Since we didn't really maybe touch on that, um, that's the difficult part though. Because if it's a if it's the band that kind of belongs to everyone, it feels like Kiss is in their own little bubble in this, along with ACDC. It feels like ACDC and Kiss are in their own little bubble of if any other band was doing this, they wouldn't get the amount of hate they are. Oh, they get away with it too, though, yeah. to a certain extent. They do, though, but it but it feels like there's other bands that could get away with a whole lot more than what Kiss is, and no one would really say anything. Like, for instance, Molly Crew has used backing tracks for years. They need to use backing tracks, uh, <laughs> based on what I saw on the internet recently. Yeah. <laughs> I had to remind everybody how <laughs> How bad Vince Neil is. They just need to stay off the stage and let a little old video from the 80s play. <laughs> Even then, it so, wasn't that good. <laughs> but my point being, Motley could used backing tracks on like background vocals or sound effects and stuff for years and no one said anything. This is the first year Kiss is doing some sort of backing track for Paul's vocal, and now it's like, boom! So it feels like Kiss is not allowed to do certain things that other bands can sometimes get away with. And I feel that it's because they've painted themselves in such a corner and been so vocal about certain things. They've been vocal about bands not calling it quits. They've been vocal about, we wanted to become the band that we never got to see. We want to give them their money's well, worth. Well, that's hard for me to, to comment on because, like I said earlier, I don't focus on what they talk about or any of that shit. I focus on... Their songs that I like a whole lot, you know, and it, so I, I mean, about, I, I've like also, so I'm telling you, I've created this situation for myself where mm. shit cannot be spoiled, you know. That's like, great though. When Motorhead I came to I town the last few times they did, I, I as much as I love Motorhead, I didn't go see them. I just, I, I got this thing where I'm like, I'm almost set up for for disappointment because a lot of the stuff I liked, it's it's heyday, it's prime was in the past. So I like, I don't want to go and and. Be disappointed by think, somebody falling yeah, apart on stage. I don't want to think differently about my favorite stuff just because it's these days and they're old and they've got to do what they got to do to make money. Or you know what I mean. So I don't focus on that. I just think yeah. about you know. I think about the greatness. You know, like their peak. To me, their peak is where they stay. You know, I know that you can't be awesome forever. I know voices oh, no. fail and things like that and all that. But well, I mean, that being said, I've also seen things in its in its later years that were awesome, like Alice Cooper. I've seen Alice Cooper oh, Alice over Cooper ten times, and about nine of them was from the side of the stage because I got to go on a tour with them, and I got to go uh, hang out with my buddies that that worked with him and stuff mm-hmm. too. Man, and it's you know, it just, it, I mean, he's still to me, he's as awesome as ever, man, you know. And maybe he's an exception to a rule. I don't. I don't know. I feel but, like but he gets, I like he's to like preserve my line. heroes in my mind. He's one of the know? very few that can still do whatever the fuck he wants on stage. No, but you were talking about uh, folks that need to retire or uh, staying too long in the party. Ozzy's gonna fucking die in a couple years, dude. And he's talking about like we're gonna post this uh, tour, postpone this tour to like 2020 or whatever. He's had time <laughs> to like everything. He's just falling apart, just like every day. He needs to take like. care of himself. 
That's all that comes down to. Yeah, just don't do He's it. He's not I'll Alice just... Cooper. Alice Cooper is like fine wine. It feels like as exactly. time goes on with Cooper, is he almost gets better. Because what? Because I, I know what tour you were talking about. Because um, Dirty Murder, Diamonds tour. Was it Dirty Diamonds? Yeah. You were, we, but you were part of a different tour also. No, I, the time, the time that I know what you're talking about. The time in Roanoke. Yeah. That you saw me on a stage farting around and stuff. I was, <laughs> I was a guest at that time. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I thought you were on that tour also. <laughs> Man, that was a good time. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, my buddies Chris Davis and, and CJ Witt were working for. Mm-hmm. Um, Rob Zombie. How's CJ been? I don't know. I don't talk to him anymore. Gotcha. Uh, not because I don't want to, because he kind of he kind of just fell off the face of the earth. Oh, right. I, I don't know. I don't know where he is. I don't know what he's doing. Huh. Hmm. Still love him, but I don't. I don't. I just don't know. Right. Last I'm time I talked to him, I was like, "Let's get together sometime." And he's like, "I, I think I'm too busy." And I just kind of left it that. And then I hmm. I never heard. Maybe he's from doing him again. secret rock and roll projects now. <laughs> oh, there's no telling. He, he's he's an enigma. He's a, he's one of a kind. You know, there's no telling. Yeah. I have a couple of those. But uh, but yeah, that time in Roanoke, I was I was their guest. You know. Oh, word. But they were showing me like they were showing me a lot of cool stuff. I got to see John Five's rig. And his guitars, and I didn't take that guy serious because I see him in guitar magazines, and he just he was Marilyn Manson's guitar player, and yeah. I don't care about Marilyn Manson. And it's not like know. Rob Zombie and, and uh, Marilyn Manson uh, guitar parts like call for uh, a lot of you know technical prowess. Or yeah, so like I, that I just either. thought I thought oh man, he's one of the guys that plays all this sloppy ass bullshit. Or something. I can't believe shit. that. I can't believe he's got all these. Uh, I was like, I can't believe he's got all these uh, endorsements. He's in these magazines, whatever you know. And this come from a guy that's not. A virtuoso. Right. <laughs> yeah, I read the magazines and I read about Ingvay Malmsteen and all that shit. I do a lot with very little, you know. Maybe I really only do a medium amount with very little, but you know, <laughs> I, I kind of look Same down here. on him. <laughs> CJ got to tell me, "No, nah, man, the guy's awesome. He can play anything. He he's a country guy." They was like, "He's a country guy too," you know. So I was like, "Whoa," you know. You're like, interesting. So yeah, I, we got you know, I kind of kind of saw the light on him and. uh Cause he can play all those fucking bluegrass licks like in a fucking like shreddy tone. Yeah, he's good. And oh fucking god, nail it. He's my daughter's favorite. My daughter loves him. She's nice. uh, six years old, and she's always like, "Show me John Five. She did a record five. with David Lee Roth in the nineties where he was doing like Eddie Van Halen, like just like yeah. eye bombs and shit like that too, and just nailed. Dude, that he's just. Too. I mean, I think he. It might be a tall statement, but in some ways he's unmatched. And I think he, he's, he's just versatile. He can. He's yeah, like a robot. He can do whatever. <laughs> and and uh. I kind of like that over-the-top style he does. There used to be a band that I wasn't a big fan of, but I was a big fan of some of their stuff called Rage okay. from Germany. And, and he, he plays guitar a lot like that guy does. And there's huh. these tricks. It's like people call them Steve Vai tricks and stuff. You right. know, I think Steve Vai is the first guy people heard do these kind of things, but but he doesn't. But, but anyways, I know what you're talking I'm, about, I'm getting though. off topic a little bit. But I got to see his... His uh, rig and all that, so, kind of like them little rig rundowns. Yeah, you yeah, see, yeah. I, got I that watched that show all person. day, too. Uh-huh. And... Uh, I didn't meet him, but I saw him for a second. I think I said hey and waved, which was cool. What was and, it like uh, hanging with uh, Alice? Oh, Alice Cooper. I didn't get to hang out with him that night, you know. But on that tour, I got to hang out with him a time or two. Yeah. And we had dinner with him, and I sat across the table from him, talked to him a little bit. And that, that <laughs> uh, I don't get too starstruck, but I was pretty starstruck. Okay, so... Uh, I don't I haven't known uh, you as long as Alex has. What were you involved with to be involved with Alice Cooper? Uh, Wednesday thirteen. I, oh, I, I was his guitar tech on that. 
Oh, on that okay. Trip. And see, yeah, that's why I thought you were part of that tour because Murder Dolls was opening. So I thought you were part of the Murder Dolls camp that tour. Yeah, uh, yeah. And man, I felt bad because your mom started texting me, and she's like, "Give me back here. Let me come back here." And I was just like, "Well, shit, I would." I was like, "But it ain't." This ain't, this ain't my thing. I was like, and I'm see, a guest. I think I'm that's lucky. why we were under her, that pretense, thinking that you were part of the crew. Yeah, for I, I told her, I said, yeah. I'm, I'm lucky to be back here. I can't believe I'm doing this again. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, but but I wanted to. That I, you know, that's been another thing I could hold my head up about and be like, oh, man, that's, I'm that's, the guy that can get people backstage. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and but, then we'd be later on going, we got to go backstage with Alice Cooper because we have cool friends. <laughs> but, but that Alice Cooper tour, I, I only did. It was only a ten day stretch of yeah. the Dirty Diamonds tour. It wasn't a real big thing, but but still uh, ten uh, days that, on the road with Alice Cooper. That's still <laughs> something. It's, it's yeah. come on now. <laughs> it was good. It was fun and. uh Really, we only hung out with him a time or two. You know yeah. what I mean? He kind of, of course. But, he's but a, his he's daughter, out we hung out with every, a lot. He's who out was, golfing every day. Yeah, we, we hung out with his daughter, Calico, a lot, who was a real fun person. and and uh, But we hung out with the band a little bit. And uh, Eric Singer, we hung out with some. And, and let me tell you, man, it's funny because I see interviews of him. And he usually seems ill kind of in interviews, you know. And I, I think he has to deal with a lot of bull crap about people like me. You ain't crazy. He probably has and but, dealing with Paul and Gene, too. But, man, let me tell you from my experience in person, he, he was a joy to be around. And he was a practical joker and oh stuff, yeah but he's funny yeah, if you I watch like him uh, a hired gun on netflix <laughs> he has uh alice cooper's uh, session guys are uh covered a lot throughout the doc and alice cooper seems to be like the best boss ever too he's a nice guy he really is a generally nice guy and he's funny and uh he's easy going and, and yeah i like him. He's, he's my hero as far as singers go he's my hero too because like he's not like a ronnie james dio or something it's operatic which i wish i could do but he's the kind of singer I am. So that's just kind of like he's in you key can sing and a little, attitude yeah. in his delivery. Yeah, is, a lot of it's a delivery, you know. But he's still not the kind of singer in key and melodic with it too. Yeah, yeah, but but at the same time, you're not Pavarotti or some shit. You exactly. know, like you just, which I'm not knocking. I'm just saying he just, you know, he just it's the delivery and stuff, and 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 that's part of the appeal of it because he had the attitude, like. You know, he's almost like really one of the original punk rockers, man. Nobody else is like a growling and a going like he was and before he then. You know, it, not that and on he that still level. Consistently do that, do that in that tone at seventy one or great. whatever, however old he is now. Yeah. Well, it's because he kind of set himself up in a really good way, and he's even smart with what he does now because in his current age he actually uses the makeup and makes himself look older he's actually leaning into his age to make that part of his character now and i think that's so cool some could argue he looked worse in 80 than he does now <laughs> right i mean he does look really great I mean, he, we talk to him a lot and ask him every question we ever want to ask a rock star you know <laughs> and, yeah and uh you know, he he told us a string of records, like, I think from the late 70s, early 80s. He's like, I just, I don't really remember. <laughs> I don't remember making those, you know, sorry, I can't answer Even questions. Even in his zonked out years, he was still he putting was awesome. out records Yeah, some of his best year. stuff. Like, he talked about uh, Flush the Fashion as, as being a, a one of his favorites, despite not, you know, being in good shape and not remembering a lot about it. And that, that was, to me, it was kind of impressive, you know, even at your lowest, you make one of you, you know, a classic record and, and then, and, you know, and enjoy it after the fact. And it almost feels like the eyes of Alice Cooper and dirty diamonds could have been those records that maybe brought people back in. That was for a lot of people. That was yeah, to bring it back yeah, to a the lot beginning. of my friends would say, you know, Alice ain't really been on, you know, winning streak lately, but them two were awesome. And then they kind of didn't like what he did afterwards, you know, yeah, 
Which yeah, because after that either. was what the Along Came a Spider, Along Came a Spider, and, and then Welcome yeah. to My Nightmare, yeah. which I didn't enjoy I mean, very much either. But but he's getting back with Bob Ezrin and being consistent with uh, these. I wasn't a huge fan of the last record, Paranormal. I wasn't either. There wasn't anything bad hit on miss. it. I hadn't heard it. There's nothing bad on it, if that makes any sense. But when you listen to it, there's nothing that grabs you and goes, "Oh, that's a cool lick." Or Dirty that's Diamonds a cool grabbed hook. me as a perfect album. Dirty and Diamonds was, is a fantastic record. It was awesome. Let that be the one we we talked to him about the most. I, I talked to him about. I, I asked him about um, Pretty Ballerina, which is originally by the Left Bank, and oh, okay. uh, and he said, "Yeah, you'd think and I picked that song because my wife's a dancer and and all that." And he said, "But actually, and I, I remember I forget who he said picked it." But I want to say it was either whoever produced the the record, or maybe it was Shep Gordon that picked it. But mm-hmm. but they picked it. And he did an awesome version of it. And if you one listen to Left favorite. Bank, when I like to sing along with that one, and there's some high stuff, it's like a, a challenge, you know. But he, <laughs> he did it, and he the Alice Cooper way, and it's it's it just not works. any less spectacular. It's I, just I think <laughs> favorite such a song, good song on that record, Sunset Babies. I think that's. I like Steal That Car a lot. Really? Yeah, I like that one a lot. I, I definitely, there, like I said, there's not a song on that record I don't like. Well, actually, let me get your opinion. I don't like the rap. I was going to say, <laughs> well, what did you think of the, the song with Exhibit? Oh, God. Man, uh, I'm, not, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to sit and say it ain't music or it ain't art, but I don't like rap music. I will not listen to it. I cannot tolerate it. It just sounds like a bunch of people talking shit. And like I talk enough shit myself it, and hear it, myself talk what, enough. But, but it's I'm not talk, listening to music that is It's that. talking shit in rhymes. <laughs> Look, I'm not going to diminish the fact that they write a lot more. Like, all right, I've, I've caught myself recently writing lyrics that are like Motorhead, like nothing repeats. And then it like runs off. You can't even fit it all on a page of paper. Right. You know, right. Stuff. We've written one and of they those. do that. To the upteenth degree, you know, rappers do, and I, I mean, I, I appreciate it. I mean, it's, it's poetry and stuff too, but it's not my kind of thing, you know. <laughs> it's just really not. I like the smugness of it all, and, and I'm the shit, and I got the money, and I got this, and I. But, oh, I can totally get on that. I because that's what to rock that. and roll is about, exactly. to a certain degree. It's but rebellious music, but, but honestly, as a as somebody that make that, like for me, somebody that fancies himself that kind of like knows how to make records to an extent or whatever. Uh, I like the producer angle of uh, some of those early hip hop records with the. Uh, I like the old drum sounds that. on the old stuff. Yeah, I, do. I love that shit. Well, because those old samples were old rock and roll drum samples. They would grab like the beginning of "We Will Rock You" because you got yeah. a boom and you got a clap. But they would gotta, use that shit. As I just their think sample. it got away from its original spirit. All, but then you got to loop that in with all these extra effects that would add on to it and slow it down and use these oh, uh, of samplers. Course, but y'all were saying you liked those old effects, and I'm like, well, yeah, because even then it was based off a real instrument that they would loop. It was like know? it was like dub in a way, you know, like you know how like the the dub reggae, it's got kind of like these lo-fi sounds. Yeah, and, yeah, and. Think, you know things are a little trippy in like an echoey kind of way and it sounds like it was on gear that's good but like cheap in a way mm-hmm. but like totally analog and that's like that's how rap used to sound now it's just like too much like See, to me it's i love the analog rap it's just too much yeah I, it but, also feels like the musicianship went away i feel like there was a lot more craftsmanship and um musicianship in old rap it felt like there was a lot more organicness. There's a lot more textile almost to Are you trying the to get music. somebody to come on the show to talk about the process? I think, I think that you should. I think it'll be very interesting but because I, because I would like I would like to be I would like to be shown otherwise. Exactly. If you watch, if you watch the doc series that's on Netflix right now, uh, I think it's Evolution Hip Hop. I forget what it's called, but they go into how uh, Q-Tip from Tribe Called Quest would just go through old jazz records and find little bits from those yeah. and just be a really 
really educate himself on jazz music and find all these little parts to put in his compositions to, to rhyme over. And see, and that's and I've seen examples of that, but all of the uh, current. Uh, not anyone that I was wanting to bring on the show, but people I would maybe interact with at a music venue or people that would I would see online, they would get their beats from like a supplier and like put their own shit on top of it. So it felt like the most lazy form of that creation. Let me tell you that that feeds into my dislike for rap music. I want to kick the ass of every son of a bitch that comes on my Instagram page, on my Warboys US Instagram page, and mm, says, Follow them. Some beats. No, asshole. We got a fucking drummer. If you would take the motherfucking time to pay attention to who you are bothering, you would A, save yourself a lot of time and B, not piss my ass off. Take I your beats those. and shove them directly up your ass and leave them there. Your oh, Instagram page is fire, fire, fire emojis. Yeah, I page. get that shit God all damn the fucking time. I've seen time. you talking back to them like, you know, won't you kiss my ass? You know, And I started doing some of that too, but then I started realizing it ain't no damn point. I had a couple. There I, is though, so check this out. Even though you're not interacting with them, that's fine. But Instagram, the algorithms see that you're interacting with comments. Really? That's the only reason I do it. Well, maybe I'll talk more shit. Maybe I'm more of an <laughs> asshole. Because social media makes you have to be social. That, it, that's, <laughs> that is that's the what point, is. I guess. Yeah. So even if it's stupid spam comments, talk shit back to them. That's because why guess they what? do that shit. Uh-huh, because yeah. guess what? If you talk shit to them, worst thing that can happen is they don't reply back. Best thing that happens well, is they reply back, and then you start a little bullshit with them, and then boom, it's like, oh, this post is, has a lot of comments on it. We're gonna show it to everyone, I've and also, then your friends hop on and go, "What the fuck is this bullshit?" <laughs> and now you guys, your friends involved, and everyone's having fun kicking the stupid fucking beat Instagram's ass. I've also had like bogus reports and blocks and bullshit. Like I had the same guy, and I think he's from Charlotte, uh, on like. 10, like 10 damn times being like, you need a video, you need a video, you need a video, you need a video, and this and that and stuff. And like, I finally was just like, it was the same stock comment, which let me know he wasn't even paying no attention to what we yeah. were. And man, my band's not fond of music videos. We may never do one. Okay. You know, we just, it's just not our thing, you know? I, but y'all are so pretty. pretty. Me personally, the I think they make bands look fucking stupid. And mm -hmm. two, I like that music is an audio medium. Like you hear the music. And then in your head, there's images that the words and the sounds bring. And then when you make a music video, it just obliterates all that shit. Alex is too then vain to not do a video. everybody who hears a song after seeing a music video. Man, there's a lot of classic songs from, you know, back when MTV used to actually have music and stuff. And every time I hear them songs, I see that same damn video. Whereas and I might have my own experience to add to that. And then it's just it's just obliterated by whatever damn nonsense that they stuck on there. That's why hair metal didn't only lasted for so long because I see the bands more than I hear uh, these yeah, hair that metal may songs. Be so. Yeah, but hey, you know, there's a lot of kids that are getting back into that. Well, I say getting back into it, but they were never into it in the first place. But they're it's discovering kind of, it's kind it. of on a resurgence. But they didn't, they didn't see all that shit. No. <laughs> but I mean, this guy bugged the hell out of me, and I was just like, dude, I heard you the first five times. And his comment mm -hmm. back was like, bet you won't hear from me again, you know? And then the like, next please. thing I know, it's like, you've been reporting for and it, and it blew over because it was bullshit. But, you know, and I'm just like, you peck your head. Like, you <laughs> harassed me. And I just said, which was not totally impolite. I just said, I heard you the first 157 damn times, you know, that 
you'll do a music video if I want you to, but I don't, you know, maybe I should have been like, I'm not interested, but I ignored it for a long time, you know, and then well, told him, nah, like, I heard you the first hundred times. There's a bunch of dumbasses on Instagram right now. Cause I don't like- mind hitting me up. Just don't, don't put the same shit a hundred damn times <laughs> on there. Well, it's like, even desperate the, motherfucker. Well, shit. even, even we ran into this, you probably got the follow. I, I'll go back and look at the video, but that one Instagram page that was trying, that literally went through our follower list, followed everyone and then started tagging. I, think, folks. I don't remember who that was, but I think they hit me too. Yeah. And, and they were trying to get yeah. people to donate to like their GoFundMe and shit. And it's go like, fuck me. That's, <laughs> what I, that's what I call it, man. It's like, that's some low level bullshit. I'm not doing that, man. So, I will, I will, ain't that big. If I don't get paid but twenty dollars a damn show, I'll pay. I'll play twenty dollars shows until I can do my record. I'm not right. begging people for money and stuff. Uh, you know, yeah, I think these guys will like did, donate to our Patreon to like help save the fucking environment and shit. I mean, I like charities. I like that, that's one thing in my band. We were just like, man, we ain't getting involved in no political doo doo and stuff. And my, <laughs> man, my band, we don't all think the same. We don't even clash about it because we're all grown up and we just like, you know, well, that's, that's how I feel about this. We talk you. about yes. it from time to time, but it's not, we're not going to be some mouthpiece for a damn political cause or nothing, but we like a good charity, you know, and we oh, don't yeah. do enough charity stuff, I don't think, but, but, but there's been but some things we, people's you know, Instagram followers and telling them to donate is not the way to get that ball rolling. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to harass, I'm not going to harass people about it. People no. either turned on to a cause or they're not, you know, and no. our, our main two things that we've talked about before is the diabetes thing, which mm-hmm. affects my family right. and most people's family, I think, you know. And uh, the autism cause, you know, autism awareness. And that's the two things we've, you know, tried to shine some light on in the past. But we're not, we ain't no damn, we ain't nobody's political monkey. And no. and none of us uh, fall squarely into any ideology or nothing. And to me, if you if you do, you're not, you're not thinking for yourself. You know, no, I mean, and, you can lean we, one way or the other, in, or whatever. But man, if you can, too. if you can join a, any club, if you can join a club about Legos and agree with that club 100, yeah. you're not thinking for yourself. You know what I mean? No, I completely yeah. agree. And we've had that same mindset from day one. I mean, we've done charity shows. The main ones we'll hop on are for like you know uh, heroin prevention because you know unfortunately Charlotte has had a really bad fucking problem with heroin the yeah. past few years. Seems like people would understand that it uh, kills your ass. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we've done a, we've done a few benefit shows to help you know get you know cleanup done and you know extra you know med packs to people that's a good you know. cause I'd, so, I'd so we, we'll fully we fully support that too but at the same time it's like our music and mu- and I feel that music in general should be an escape from the real world. And the last thing I want is for me to put on music and to be reminded of the real world and for you to be yelling at me because you don't like the president or you don't like the way the environment is or you don't like, you know, the way this, that, and the other is. It's like, no, I want to listen to some music to escape all of that because I deal with that all day long. Now, when I come home and I put open up my turntable and I slap on a record... I, that's the last thing I want to hear about. I want to hear about the remotes talking about sniffing glue and wanting nah. to be a boyfriend. Hey, and I, shit I tell like you though, it's like the Neil Young anti-president song is just as annoying as the Ted Nugent anti-president it, song. Absolutely. <laughs> I tell you this though, y'all were talking about bad religion before. Yeah, that was one of, one of the bands that my brother and I really just like went oh shit when we when we discovered them we went like Fuck. what was the album you discovered them on uh, no control okay 
Uh, it, it, no, the album was fairly old album. back, you know, when we actually discovered them. It was... That was my gateway album. Really? It I was actually, maybe like eight or ten years old by I the time. I actually avoided I don't know that what album for a out. long time because I didn't like the cover. I don't, yeah, the cover looks kind of funny, but... Uh, it's nothing special. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's really kind of... It's thing. a little yeah. lazy looking, but... but but man, that thing clicked with us, and and uh, and like, there's this thing about bands that sometimes they're just important, and sometimes they want to be important, and as soon as they think they're important, they're a shitty ass band. Yep. Yeah, you know what I mean. And yep. I've had that a lot going back to that whole thing about bands that lost you and not necessarily come back. Right. Most of the bands that lose me, they don't come back. You know. Um. Now, I'm not knocking them. I don't think they ever got really bad, but Bad Religion's a band that lost me. And, 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 man, back when they were, like, they were talking about things that were important, but, like, obviously not showing a preference for any one ideology or nothing. Mm-hmm. I really liked them. And, I mean, I don't know. I might be, I might have them wrong. They might not be showing any preference. But at, at oh, a certain point. Oh, they 100% point, do. At a certain yeah, point, I, I felt like they did. That, and I was like, man, damn it. I don't, like, you're kind of not, you're kind of what, the opposite of what I liked you for. It's like, you guys are super intelligent. And, and had some really needed to be said things to say about a lot of things. Especially on like shit stra- said about them. But now, especially like on Strange you're Fiction starting shit like to that. flirt with one of the, you know, one of the entities that's like keeping all these things from being solved, despite the fact they give it a bunch of lip service, you know, and so they kind of lost me and stuff. Man, another one people and talk I, about, and this is a love or hate band. Well, a lot real of people quick before you them. move on from yeah, that, yeah, I, go I, ahead. I, feel, I feel with Bad Religion, um, I feel that there's a strong difference between uh, speaking about social injustices and, you know, treating your fellow man properly and then just going on a political tirade. So I'll agree with you. They've kind of lost me on that because even on this new record that's coming out, they have a song called The Kids Are Alt-Right. Yeah, I know about all that. So it's like they they definitely enjoy it. But it wasn't wasn't a bad song, but I didn't enjoy the the sentiment. I'm really good at hooks and melodies, too, to where you catch yourself singing along with it anyway. See, that's the other thing, too. I feel like their old stuff didn't necessarily put anybody down either it was it was kind of welcoming i thought and, and mm-hmm. the reason why it's like that's what punk was supposed to and be and they had a sarcastic tone to it too you know well, a lot of people listen to them early records i think i don't think they understand what the hell they're talking about they just go like oh man that's rocking as hell you know and i know it has something to do with making shit better or something you know but, <laughs> but there was like there was kind of like an environmentalist message was an important thing to me and uh just kind of a personal freedom message and and they use a lot of big ass words and things they refer to things that like unless you're a biologist or something you don't understand yeah, but, but they're I mean, also I understand melodic as hell stuff. yeah and it's good music but i don't know like i just to me i ain't nobody got the answer you know you can just like you can that's bring up things and get too. people to think about them and that's what they used to do i think and, and they now, but talk about that but in i'm interviews. not knocking them i still like them a lot i respect those guys and stuff but i was gonna say another band is that and this is a funny one to me because they're a funny band to me is a no effects like they used to be almost God. like you can almost call them one of them scum bands or See, something they're, yeah. like early my, days. they're like motley crew to me where it's just like uh oh, I, 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 I they got some jams and i'm yeah, not a huge I fan like, but i'll watch all the stupid <laughs> documentaries about them <laughs> i like everything they did through pump up the volume and then after that it's like they decided look y'all we're you know this famous now and these other things are going on we're important now we've got to do something like you know exact, what i mean yeah and and like men they weren't just mindless before you know but but like when, once they decided that they were important it just all went down the toilet bowl i just like shit Here, here's here's you unpopular know, like, opinion time i have never liked no effects until their last three records. That's, their, oh, the last man, record that came blowing. out 
actually was really fucking solid. That's what I'll say. That I, I bet I wouldn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, starting with Coaster, which on vinyl was Frisbee. <laughs> that's that's kind of funny right there. <laughs> Starting See? with that record on, I've actually enjoyed them. I've I have my only real exposure to them was that compilation record they did that had like twenty four songs on it, like the best songs we ever wrote or whatever, which had like best of their entire catalog. Handful of songs I can pick and choose from that. But Owen, of all people, had coaster in his car and he was listening to it and a few songs in, I was like, oh, wow, there's actually some really cool shit on here. And with every record, I've just given it that quick little skim. And I found some shit on the past few that I've really enjoyed. So I, wonder, I don't know. It's, I, I can definitely see where you're coming from. But they've pulled back from that. They had a heavy period of that, maybe the late 90s to about the mid 2000s. They were super like, you know, singing songs about animal rights and all this crap. I feel like now they've moved away and been a lot more introspective of being like, I think I'm a douchebag. Yeah, a, that, that's kind of their songwriting. Uh, that's something lately. they need to own up oh. to because they are a bunch of peckerheads. And, yeah. and not only that's not my assumption. I've, I've, I've do we heard have? A, from, do I've we heard have, from people that uh, have, I was gonna have say, I interacted had, with them and they're just you know, like, man. I thought we had story time with Bowman coming up. I thought you had a personal heads. experience. No, I've not met any of those guys. Uh, but, uh, but man, I think their drummer. I think that dude, me and him, be classic friends. But he just <laughs> um, he, apparently he's a real nice guy now. But he was the one back when they were not. The other rest of them were nice guys. Was intolerable. Really, but like flipped. And man, I base that assumption on. I listened to their audio book. Did y'all ever watch? I was interested uh, in them enough to listen to that audio book, and uh, that's kind of what I gathered from that too. Is like he was a total fuck up, and them other guys were pretty nice, easy going guys. Did and like, it just kind of like flip flopped. Did, did, <laughs> did y'all ever watch a uh, backstage passport? Nah, I never it was watched the FX it. show. No, found, but they talk about the stuff that went down. Yeah, I found that on that. YouTube and just like just binged on that, going like, "What the fuck, dude?" I'm not going. I'm going. I'm not going to name the name of the guy that told me this, but he said I've had interactions with them and they're dickheads. And like anybody that comes along, they can be a dickhead too. They will make a point to be the biggest dickhead too. Jesus, and that's, I, that's I, I can't sounds, confirm that, but yeah. I'm just saying I heard it. Yeah. It, well, that also doesn't but seem I, far off because that seems I'm like tell that, you, what that ilk of people would do anyway. At the same time, I'm well aware that. I listen to plenty of musicians that are dickheaded scumbags oh, yeah. in their personal life, and, and well, and to that, bring it, bring that. I don't back. approve of that, but I don't. I'm not going to sit there and not listen to good music because somebody's an asshole. You so know to what bring I mean? that back right. to what you were even talking about kind of about personalities earlier. are often the be, the best artists. <laughs> well, you said that you're not going to allow uh, what's I'm an happening now. To somebody, yeah, I know I'm a dickhead to somebody. Oh, I'm, I'm the worst I son of a bitch to, to somebody. <laughs> well, but what I was saying to bring it back to what you even brought. We're talking about with Kissed saying that you're not going to allow stuff like that to spoil your fun and legacy. Yeah. It's because you separate. I'm good at that. You separate the artist <laughs> oh, from yeah. the music. I do. Yeah, because I'm a I music fan. A, I'm not an artist fan. I don't give a shit about the art. I mean, I do. I mean, like you know, I care about people, but I don't care if like if I see a good piece of art, I don't care that that motherfucker was like. You can I be objective know. about that, but like, yeah, we all know I am Jack, objective because I'm. We all know James Brown the, was a piece of shit human, but we love his music. Yeah. But so I mean, it's, it's down to, yeah, and not not just him. Many, many, many are uh, mu especially musicians. Musicians just the type to be scumbags. They, they just really are, are, man. Especially when you have success and it goes to your head, you'll make I mistakes and I, you'll be an asshole. Even nice ones, nice I, ones, they'll make we, mistakes and be a total scumbag. Sometimes. Not saying this for us to go down the rabbit hole. We definitely don't need to go down. I'll go down <laughs> but I, but every still, rabbit hole. But I feel that there's still a line. 
like with recent documentaries coming oh, yeah, out there's about a certain line. musicians. There's different right. lines. So, but I, so I feel so we not can't to dance go down to certain, that. We can't dance to certain people anymore. Yeah, there, there's <laughs> still a, there's still a line. I get it. So, but but I feel that you know someone's generalized behavior just because you're not a fan of the way they act shouldn't be a deterrent enough to completely write off their music. Man, if this is any example how detached I can be from the personalizing people, like I like Ted Nugent's music. Yeah, yeah right. Strangleholds a, a fucking jam. As a dude, I I know just enough about him to know that, like, for the most part, he's I'd be embarrassed to be his friend and be caught yeah. with him. Right. <laughs> but at the same time, he's a really green dude. Like people don't give him credit for it. But he's super green. Like his yeah. house is green and all this stuff. And uh, do you, but, but do you he's think politically that technology so far today is right. the reason for it? Because no, all these because all of these people now have the ability. Okay, let's say I had that po- sort of popularity that Ted Nugent or Gene Simmons or any of these other people do, okay? Uh, something has now pissed me off, all right? If this was in the 70s, I'd stomp around my house, yell at a few things, maybe shoot a mirror and be done with it, You okay? might get a newspaper to pick up on the story. Yeah, but maybe, that's it. <laughs> maybe. Now, all I got to do is fucking open up this fucking screen that sits in my pocket, hit this little blue bird right here, type out my little rant, or better yet, shoot a video of myself, post it online. Now, boom, everyone knows your stupid thought yeah. that now you regret and you wish you could now take off that you would have just maybe yelled about you know in your house before and then just moved on well you know like ted nugent don't even need twitter he'll do it at his concerts but, but i'm <laughs> yeah, just saying yeah. I, I like he his, will too <laughs> I, I like his music as far as a person i like him like talking about being green and stuff and man the hunting people give him shit about hunting but he knows what he's as talking long, about as long as, as you're not conservation listen as long as you're not hunting endangered or, or threatened species and stuff it's actually the greenest way to obtain meat you know because they live off the land he does. He they're not in a concentrated eats. farm where their where their droppings contaminate water and things like that and so i mean he's got some points but but he he's in a he's just so far like to the right and stuff he's kind of their big biggest ass kisser you know so i I, I like his music i don't necessarily would want to hang out with him or something but also i have friends that hate his guts and uh thing sloth a really uh a band i really like that i'm good friends with they have a song about ted how much they hate his ass and that song is hilarious (laughs) you know what i mean like even even though there's some little aspects where i'm like man you know ted's the baddest ass guitar player and you know he's actually more of an environmentalist than you fake ass sons of bitches (laughs) i'm like i'm like i like that they're calling him out and telling me he eats a bag of dicks and all that shit you know because that's that's exactly what the song says he can don't act like you're not sitting around trying to learn how to play cat scratch fever either yeah i know (laughs) and and, you know I, i think i think the guy and things thought they're the same way. I, I think they, I think they like him from a rock and roll standpoint. And hate his ass from a, a big mouth live bastard gu- standpoint. Double live Gonzo <laughs> fucking ribs, man. Yeah, and, and I wish that people would separate the artist from the art a bit more because you got to. And and, and like I said too, man, don't let your favorite stuff get ruined because then people are older now. Like just be glad. Like that little meme that says, "Of all the millions of years of existence, you happen to live at the same time as Kiss." This one little drop in the bucket of yeah, time. I know, right? Yes, I'm, I'm sitting here just, embra- yeah, I revel just in embracing that. Ozzy's last days, <laughs> just kind of like you're stuck on that, aren't you? Oh, you He's gonna Ozzy. die before. <laughs> This tour goes on next year, man. No. He's like, we're postponing this tour to 2020. Ozzy I'm like, you're going to be a vampire. Dead. He'll never fucking die. Uh, 
It just needs to quit. I still refuse Stan. I, I still refuse to, to believe Stan Lee is dead. I want Ozzy to go out gracefully. Black Sabbath is one one of those emotional bands to me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. To get back to your mom's question, Black Sabbath. <laughs> Black Sabbath. That's a biggie, man. Because that's uh, just like Ramones. That's one that taught you. Even though Tony Iommi is a major lead guitar playing talent. It showed you you can bash some power chords and kick oh, some yeah, serious man. ass. Lost his fingertips and made a genre out of it. That's what. That's like I'm saying too. Don't be making no fucking excuses. Some bitch cut his hand off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's always been a role model and to be- me because of that. Before him, his hero, Django Reinhardt. Listen seriously. If if I was in Tony Iommi shape, I'd probably be like, all right, I'll do it. I'll I'll figure out a way. If I was in Django Reinhardt shape, I'd be like, God yeah, damn, his hand was more fucked guitar, up. Fuck. How about you know, if you lost seriously. a fucking arm and you're a drummer? Right? <laughs> I saw in the bathroom one time when I was on the road, it said, what has nine arms and sucks? I love That's an old one. And it still makes me laugh. But yeah, man, he didn't quit. So, you know, you got to give him props as much as I hate Def Leppard. People say, oh, man, you'd like him if you listen to the first album or two. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? That's what people they sell made, me with Van Halen. Let, let me tell you my beef. I got a personal beef with Def Leppard. Oh, why's that? They made me lose a spelling bee in the fourth grade. <laughs> Explain this. Leopard? We had a spelling bee. Was leopard the word? No, deaf was the word. No. And I got to thinking, I'm like, deaf jam, DF. I'm like, no, that's bullshit. This is 1984, so. This, this is the 80s. I'm like, no, that's bullshit. I'm like, fuck. And I did use words like that back then. Even though my, my family didn't or oh, nothing, yeah, I, yeah. I found them out. I got them. I wasn't allowed to watch movies that used language, but I. I went to public school. <laughs> you learned them. And so I start my eyes start wandering. And then there's a kid and it's like they got the shirt on with the damn pyromania or whatever album cover on it. And I'm like There it is. Yeah. I'm gonna nail this. I said Def. D E F Def. And I probably made some celebratory gesture like you know, I, I, crushed I probably that. did like Nixon's double <laughs> signs or something just something lame that people did a long time ago or something you know i might even did like the up yours sign or shot double birds or ronnie james dio hands or something but and it was like incorrect and it was like the biggest like shock of my life like i've never been so sure of myself and been y'all remember told i was wrong ever so def leopard and kiss my ass i remember I remember I'm sure it's a piece of candy or something that I missed out on. It's all their fault. I remember there's a Charlie Brown uh, cartoon where Charlie Brown loses the spelling bee because he can't spell Beagle correctly and Snoopy's sitting right across from him. (laughs) And that's how he loses the spell. He's like, I got this. He's like, B-E-G-E or L-E, Beagle. (laughs) And then they're like, no! (laughs) It's the most ultimate Charlie Brown ending. Yeah, we did drink all that beer. <laughs> you better drink that one before I drink this, and I'm going to snatch that one back. Oh, shit. Uh-oh. I don't care if your germs are on it or not. <laughs> a, oh, I still got some left in this one. I'm a stone cold, I'm a, I'm a stone cold uh, Steve Austin. No, man. I would definitely say, I wouldn't say that Black Sabbath had a deep emotional connection with me, but I've always cited any scene, Kiss, and Black Sabbath as being my earliest inspirations. That's a good one. Black Flag was one of mine, too, though. I haven't yeah. talked about them, but they, 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 then they were one of the first bands that was just like, you can do it. If we can do it, you can do it. But but the music was also really damn good. You yeah. know? I want one more. Only com- because, again, just those three bands seem to be like from that early time period of when you finally figure out, 
I guess when you, you know, when you're a kid and you figure out what music is, if that makes any sense, like all of a sudden you listen to a song and you're like, oh, this is music, you know, yeah. and you start, you start noticing, okay, this is a different kind of song than this. This sounds different from about that point. She started playing more Kiss, and I was like, okay, I like this kind of music. And she would listen to Ozzy, and then she had a Black Sabbath CD. So basically, she would let me borrow an Annie Scene CD, a Kiss CD, and a Black Sabbath CD. So that would be just what I listened to the most, and probably the two from that that just stuck the hardest was hey, Annie uh, Scene and Kiss. But Black Sabbath, I got one more comment. It's the only band that's ever like heard, where I've heard a, a song, and it scared me. Like the title track Black Sabbath from the first really? one. Oh, they had that that, oh, that yeah. thing that I was talking about and attaching to the Misfits earlier. Definitely. Probably because like uh, it was just like it was just the recording was just so bare boned and like in the like the seventies cheap version of it too, with Ozzy going like, Oh god, it's the devil and all that shit. Yeah. That scared the fuck out of me as a kid. But I man Marilyn I didn't, Manson didn't scare me, Rob Zombie didn't <clears> scare me. Black Sabbath scared the fuck I out of me. I didn't misunderstand Black Sabbath though. I knew they were on like the side of good. You know, like, exactly. you know what I mean? They did really have that kind of thing but uh, um i was gonna say as far as like this music like how it's you know presented to you especially when you're young and um growing up in the middle of nowhere before i met that friend of mine i was talking about really all i had was what my parents would listen to and it was mostly elvis like there was a big oh, elvis time yeah. so it was a big thing and we, we used to go on a lot of trips and a lot of them we'd go to tennessee and uh, we even went to graceland one time and we just listened to a lot of elvis and that's probably what really set my ass off and it's like i gotta do music See, i've never that's, become an elvis if, guy like yet and i lived in well, outside of memphis man they also say they say a lot of people are either a beatles person or an elvis person well i'm kind of both I might be a little more of a Beatles one because I actually didn't get a lot of exposure to, to them until I was older because my parents wasn't as big on them. And I think my parents yeah. were maybe they were maybe a little more um, influenced by some of the things that went on during the Beatles time, like, oh, Beatles are against uh, against religion and so, Beatles. Are, you know what I mean? They might have yeah. might have affected them to a certain degree being from my mom where we're from the beatles but uh but elvis was uh, a okay with everybody despite him being a pill popping wacko you know and uh so Elvis was a big influence and uh also like we listened to a lot of the radio back then it was mostly easy like easier listening radio stuff like we, we heard a lot of like genesis and yes. phil collins stuff and you so know so like that's like kind of why to this day all my songs have that pop structure and, and punk has a lot to do with it too because punk's always like like ramones was trying to go back to that right the 60s pop structure and get away from the damn you know, uh, eight minute guitar. Yeah. Song, uh, which yeah. Like which I'm okay with that too. But I mean, I love melodic, but, but I'm stuck in that thing. And also the reason, and that's what, uh, the song old Broadman hymnal on our new seven inch is about. It's about, it's basically about how I learned to put a song together. And, and the way I learned was the Elvis songs, listen to them over and over. And then too, I went to church and I was forced to be in this children's choir, which I hated. And I thought was, Oh, like, I, I did like, that too is, growing up. Yep, I, I was like, this too. is the worst shit in the world. I hate singing. This is fucking <laughs> stupid. Every musician in the and, South was part of a church choir. And I was just like, God, you know, and, and, but I looked inside the hymnal, which, which is funny because at our church, we didn't have the Broadman hymnal, but that's the one that had a cool name attached to it and right. fed into the song. I don't even right? know what but, our hymnal was. But now. I looked in it and I'm like, okay, here's a verse. It's numbered one. 
All right, you sing that, and I know, and I'm like watching what the choir does and stuff, and then they sing the chorus. It has chorus written beside it, and then they go back t- up to the top where the second verse is, and they do that, and and sometimes they would pick. I'd say, let's do the first and third uh, verses. Mm-hmm. With I remember that. Well, and stuff, or, and yeah, so or they, when a preacher's I learned how a song was stuck together. Lazy, he's like verse one and. Last verse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It seemed like more often than not, they did the most familiar parts. Yep. yep. And the reason exactly. why, too, is they had it in mind. They had a music thing in mind. Like, let's not lose the congregation's interest by doing all five verses of Old Wooden Cross or something, or, you know, whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah, let's do. Unless that's what let's the topic do, to hand was going to be today. Do, let's, let's do the part that everybody knows It's going to grab them by the boo boo and make them come to the Lord today. If it's Christmas Eve, sir. Okay. It's Seriously. all the damn verses. But, but that's how I learned music. And, man, we had to be in this children's choir, and we had a, a choir director at the time. And us kids started to wonder something about him. We're like, man, this guy's gay. You know, we're like, he's gay. He's obviously fucking gay. <laughs> and back then, perfectly accepted to be like, motherfucker's gay. You got to hate him. You know, especially in a church situation. You know? But the adults were mature enough. They're just like, he's just kind of a feminine guy. You know, he ain't gay, you know. But man, that's the guy I learned music from, you know, in a way, that's kind of yeah. how I learned how it's put together. And I know him a lot to this day. And, and I, and, you know, you know, as an adult now, I got no problem with whatever. And I think it, I think that it eventually did come out that he was homosexual and stuff. And I think, I think he was, I think he was kind of quietly asked to leave church or something because he Damn, didn't go away, you know, but, but, uh, but that's how I learned music. And that's why I talk about it in a song, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know if anybody's going to, I mean, I'm pretty I'm pretty um, literal in a song about it, but I don't, yeah. know, I don't know what people are going to conclusions are going to draw. That's exactly <laughs> what happened, and that's what that song's about, man. That they trying to 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 steer me on the right path and stuff. Yeah. It actually just led me down the path of more rock and roll, Elvis and church music. Just and man, both songs on that are set up like church music is in a it, way. And there's a big country absolutely. and blues and thing, all, all, even though it's really rock and roll. And people keep saying, "What well, man? What's that new one like that y'all doing?" I'm like, man, it's like Jerry Lee Lewis if he preferred or guitar like, instead of piano. Well, we're talking about soul and James Brown. That's all church music too. Yeah, man, I got I got European friends, and they're always just like, man, America's got the best music. It's got the best music. It's got the best. And I keep thinking about it, and I'm just like, why do they think it's so good? But like, I attach it to the business a lot, and I'm like, okay, this music is like a business, and it, but but really it is. It's like all right, you go over there, and you hear some of their more uh, traditional music, you know, and like you might hear some polka stuff in one region or in other regions, you hear different things. I mean, some regions have strange music. Some regions of Spain have music that almost sounds like the Scottish stuff, but then it's got kind of like the Spanish thing blended in. It's really Scottish, strange. Spanish. Uh, I'm blend. serious. And, and you're just like, okay. And, but they're like, man, we're sick of that stuff, you know? And then I get to thinking about it more and more. And I'm like, all right, the blues, uh, country, Western stuff like that. Soul music, rock and roll. It mm-hmm. that's our music. It really is, yep, and like yep. it's went worldwide. And and us Americans have this thing about getting a big old head and, <laughs> and saying we, we run shit and we rule the world. And maybe well, music's hell, even, what caused that. <laughs> even even new bands throwing U.S. at the end of their band name. Well, you know? I can explain that. <laughs> All right, when we when we first named the band, we actually didn't name it. My brother's coworkers like, man, you want to be War Boys because he heard some of the songs and he he picked up on some of the things I was talking about. Right, which is uh, um. The song Hot Brass is about like running out of resources and people fighting over resources, which often happens in parts of the world. You know, you have conflict that's based on resources becoming scarce and people clash over them. And uh, I'm a big Mad Max fan. 
And at the time we were starting to ban the new Mad Max movie was new. And I was mm-hmm. looking forward to seeing it. And I wrote Hot Brass like right before going to see it. And uh, John Bridges helped me write that. He filled in all the stuff I couldn't do, which is about actually half the song. That's one of them Lemmy lyrics ones I was talking about. <laughs> yep, yep. Nice. Um, we'll throw that one on at the end of the But this coworker of my brother's, caught, he picked up on that and is like, call it War Boys. Because the War Boys were like the new guys and the they were kind of like the the bad guys that ain't really bad. They're just, that's what they are, you know, in the mm. new movie, you know. And I was like, cool. And, and we kind of looked around, like, you know, nowadays you look on the internet and see if anybody, and I didn't, I couldn't find no evidence of it. Well, a couple of years later, I seen, oh, God, there's a band in the UK called War Boys, and then there's a oh. band out west called War Boys. So I'm like, all right, we'll just slap something on it. I'm not changing the name. <laughs> so we just slapped US on it. You know? I dig it, though. I like it. I like, I like it, too, in a way. seven inch coming out? Especially with that. Kind it of should day. be May 1st. May 1st. All right, I said all them nice things about United. Now, United, you hold you. <laughs> hold, hold your pledge your promise and, and oh, come they're through they're totally listening they're totally listening to well, this you know when you're doing things on, on the indie label way of doing things and you know people understand if it's a few weeks oh, a few absolutely. months a year late you know so <laughs> I'm not stressing too but bad hey, but I would but like to see it on time very, and May 1st we should have the record in hand on May 1st but hey but you're also very good at keeping the people updated because you've got your Instagram uh, through Mystery School Records. Yes. Uh, what, and now what it is, at Mystery School Records, or is it abbreviated at all? I think the I'll Instagram is Mystery School Records. <laughs> yeah, so... John Bridges runs that. John he Baptist. Runs that. Yeah, he runs that one. Yep, uh, it's just full at Mystery School Records. And then, so, what's the main way people can get a hold of you through the Warboys account? Um, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, warboysrockandroll at gmail.com is really the best. You can reach us through Facebook or Instagram or warboysus, all one yes. word, no At least periods. give them a follow. That way you can so, keep updated and see all the cool shit. If you message us on Instagram, we are absolutely sure to get it. But I have found if you message us on Facebook, I will know you message me, but sometimes it lets me access them and sometimes it don't. And I can't explain it. Yep. Um, any better than just saying Facebook is a piece of shit and I hate it, <laughs> but I got a little, um, you know, uh, pre written message that'll come up and it'll tell you the email address. If, if, if yep, you, if you can just remember to find us on too. Facebook, you'll, you'll be able to get a hold of us. So. Excellent. Right so on. Most of those places is at war boys us. I just double checked while you're chatting. So Folks, give them a follow. Definitely check out some good rock and roll that's still coming up these days. That is hard to find. It's hard to find some good classic rock and roll coming out of you know the U.S. these days. Because I know we were talking about the U.S. being uh, rock and roll, but but the thing is, is we've been finding a lot of really good you know Swedish rock and you know. I was going to say Scandinavia is ground zero for real rock and roll anymore. Yeah, so so to find it in almost twenty years. So to find it in the U.S., much less right in our backyard, and to be able to consider you know you and many of the other members including your brother or dear friend it's like we feel very fortunate to have such good rock and roll brethren and and hell even we didn't even talk about it this episode we'll have to have you back good god i've enjoyed this episode so much um we didn't even talk about you know the fact that you know you've helped you know release even new material including the boring heist record so that's actually just so cool because you're still helping get the rock and roll out there to the masses and that kind of thing cannot be understated or underappreciated enough well, I'll try. <laughs> I have to give credit to the people that, that knock my door down wanting to do things, too, you know. I mean, I, um, this is not to pat me on the back, but I think people know that, I, you know, 
if you start a project with me, it'll happen. So, you well, know, see, and, they, and they keep they keep me busy, you know. I would do a lot less if other people weren't motivated to do things, so i got to give them the credit, too, you know. Absolutely. If so other people are motivated you, to do their thing, and, and they yeah, know I'm kind of like somebody that'll help it come along, you know. Just be motivated. You'll find other motivated people to help you out. See, and here's the problem. You, you do the exact same thing I do, where you go, not to pat myself on the back or any of this. because but I will sometimes. <laughs> well, yes, there are times where you're just like, damn it, I did this. <laughs> we'll, I would we'll, like we'll more own Damn, Atlanta. I'm good. We'll, we'll own our Atlanta shit until the day we die. We fucking did that. I'll, yeah. We'll pat ourselves on the back you can't all take fucking that day away that. from us. That's definitely no, something where I'd have been like, well, shit, I guess we're not going to Atlanta. No, we, there was no way we were skipping out on that one. But, uh... There's a difference between patting yourself on the back and being like, I'm the hot shit and just being confident in who you are and what you do. Patting yourself on the back would be going, I am the best at what I do and yada, 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 yada. I'm definitely not the best. I might be the best at doing it with so little resources. <laughs> but that's <laughs> but, not yeah, that, being the best at what we but, do. But that but that shouldn't be such a dirty thing to say. You no, know, it's not. I, I I take a lot of pride on it. Like I was saying earlier, and you should. I, 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 and it feels like people are almost afraid. They almost see that as narcissistic tendencies, or they see that as you know, oh, I'm boosting myself up or talking, you know, so highly of myself. It's like no, if you are if you do something that you're proud of, and or if you do something that you know you do well. Own up to it. It's part got, of who you are. I got all these labels. It took me a long time. I got all these labels like, you know, guitar player, singer, band dude, bass player, um, recording engineer, producer, such, such, such. But I'm like, all of it I do like by the skin of my teeth, you know, really. I mean, I, I was saying earlier, I call it guerrilla recording, which is not my term, but I have a mobile unit. I take it wherever it needs to go, and I do the best I can do in the space I'm given. I'm not a guy with a studio. I think some people think I am, you know, but I don't have a studio. You know, I, I can record in my house sometimes. I can't always. I have a, a new baby, and that's a big damper right now, but but I don't, I don't have baby. a set-up space. Like, I go where I need to go, and I do it, and, like, everything I do is a struggle. It's not easy, it's but I love easy. doing it, and, and actually, I take more pride in it. Like, I think if I had everything laid out for me and had everything made, maybe it wouldn't be as interesting. Maybe it'd become too much of a, a job. Maybe it'd, it'd become... Uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, assembly line, yeah, you know, sure. or something. So I mean, it's real interesting. And, and uh, but because you yeah. have a passion for what you do and you enjoy doing it, is you, you I keep, keep punishing myself. <laughs> yeah, I keep. Oh, <laughs> well, I know. I do that to myself all the time. If you look right over there uh, in my desk, I've got two computers, and it is I have the same thing. <laughs> yep, and, and it is not out of the ordinary for me to be editing audio on one and then downloading video and do, getting other assets ready on the other one to bump it to you know and bumping yep. stuff side to side and doing dual screen shit. I mean, it's like it's but. I enjoy making videos. I enjoy doing podcasts. So it's like, while that's just rendering, you see right there next to it, my guitar is yep. sitting right there while I'm waiting on shit to save and everything else. I pick up that guitar and then I start plucking along, figuring out a new song or something. It's like, I keep punishing myself, but it's like that little corner right there is my life. Audio, video, and music. Everybody that <laughs> comes you- to me wanting to do something, I say, let me make you aware. Everything I've done 
is either all or none kind of like it it either turns out really well or it don't like you know because the way yeah. i do it and the we, way i tell them i say to make it good i say it's either a masterpiece or a masterpiece of shit <laughs> but i'm proud of it all you know well you should definitely be proud yeah. of that seven inch because it's fucking well, amazing thank you. we got that I sample downstairs it. and both you guys and tom god just fucking a plus front to back i, I am i'd also like to tell you i think i'm working on another masterpiece right now I'm, are you I, I recorded this is two weeks ago i recorded an <laughs> album's worth of material of by the band van huskins oh right on. shit and man they've just got something special going on and i'm currently mixing I love those guys. and damn they've got a good collection of, <laughs> of songs i can't wait till it's done and everybody can hear it it's going to be great. Sweet. Right on. And one last little shout out before we dig into our Spotify playlist. Our good friend Andrew Evans of The Stir. Uh, he's in the process of releasing a uh, solo record himself. And The Stir is actually going to be releasing a new record too. They've got a bunch of shit coming out. Camp's just crushing it right now. He's killing it. But uh, they've got... he Andrew has a new solo song out called Dealt With The Devil. And holy shit, it... I thoroughly enjoy it. It's good slide guitar work. It's a little groovy, almost kind of jazz feeling, but his voice on top of it, I just, I can't say enough about it. So folks, if you're listening, definitely check that out. (laughs) So with that in mind, it's time to dig on into our Spotify playlist and figure out what the fuck we've been listening to. What you listening to, son? I don't think you like it. Well, why not? I like this new generation of music. Where did you record this? I bought it at the mall. What that person on your tape has is a medical disorder. But dad. <laughs> but daddy. Uh, Cap, what the hell have you been listening to this week? Uh, at the time of this uh, us recording this, this will have uh, been out for uh, for a little bit now. This new release from a, this Italian band called uh, Judah. Spelled, Judah. Spelled uh, G-I-U-D-A. Uh, they put out this new record called Eva, or it's Eva. It's a, <laughs> I think that e might be period. Guida. What's that? I think no, that it's might definitely be Guida. Judah. I looked this you up too. I spent did? a lot of time uh, figuring this out last night too. <laughs> Damn, don't make me look stupid. <laughs> I thought about that too. It's like, no, a friend of mine turned me on to him. I was like, and I even asked her, I was like, how do you pronounce this? Everybody kept telling me, oh, they're from Italy. It's like a Guido, but it's a Guida. <laughs> Guida. And, well, and I was looking at Wikipedia, it's like uh, Judah. I'm like, Oh, Judah, like Judas or whatever, that the S, whatever. And I was afraid uh, my roommate said uh, Gouda when he looked Gouda. at it. That's cheese, you son of a bitch. But it's Judah, and they have a new record called careful, Eva. Careful with that finger. You are just slicing the air right now, you sash. <laughs> no, you you are a strong, independent black woman that don't need no man right now. It's <laughs> <laughs> getting sassy up in here. Zorro. <laughs> Oh, but this record. Let fucking... me tell you, <laughs> girl. <laughs> Check out Eva. It's the best uh, glam, uh, the present day space glam rock record you're going to find everywhere. This he guys was... wear heels too. There's a kiss connection. He was playing some. <laughs> he was playing some of it earlier for me, and I re- I actually really enjoyed it. I thought I thought it was good. They do wear the platform heels though. If you watch do the they? music videos, they look like regular Joes. Like that means you should look up the their shoes? live video because they're going to fall at some point. Oh yes, <laughs> that's always great. <laughs> no, it's really good stuff. I definitely recommend them. Well, John, do you even have Spotify? I do. What you been listening to? I haven't been listening to this guy on Spotify. I've been listening to my truck. All right, well, what I'm you been listening to? Waylon Jennings. Oh yeah, nice. yeah, he's a big hero. 
I love Waylon. And I mean, like I said, man, uh, man, my band's got a certain record. Um, it's kind of a greatest thing. And I, I mean, you. this thing, this thing includes things he he did on the the Waylon and Willie stuff and uh, oh word Outlaws record. That's probably uh, everybody's favorite era. But I like a lot of the RCA yeah. stuff he did too. Yeah, I mean, I I just I just think he's great, man. He just he's just one of them ones, and he's funny, you know. Oh, especially yeah. if you watch his live stuff, man. You know, he he throws a lot of little stuff in there. It shows you what a you know, he's kind of a little punk rock dude, too. In a I way, love you know? listening to live recordings of Waylon from, like, the mid-'70s and just being like, oh, that's definitely a cocaine-era Waylon Jennings. Yes, yes. <laughs> How fast there's, he was playing the songs. There's, a, like, a live-on-TV version of Ramblin' Man, and he's like, I'm a Ramblin' Man. Don't. Oh, yeah. Well. He, 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 like, he like, goes so away from the microphone and says, don't fuck around. With, you <laughs> know. And, uh, but he there, always nails the singing parts though he could be like just coked out of his mind but he'd always be like yeah it's like it's like you don't know if he's doing it on purpose there's one where he's like let's go to luke and buck texas with willin and whaley oh, and yeah. the boys well, he, would, he would just shit <laughs> talk like, willie during fuck? all the songs too <laughs> but he's a big hero of mine and man he you know war boys has like two modes you know there's like there's a kind of a, a mo- it's all rock and roll but there's the mode where it's just like it's it's almost like a lot of them Scandinavian bands. Just telling you, like rock and roll lives in Scandinavia now, right? And, and, I, and like that's a big influence on us. And uh, well, you, but there's also the country influenced rock and roll and stuff. And when it comes to that, man, you know, it's like Waylon is a big influence on the way we hell, do and, and the way I the- try to deliver. Even though I don't, I don't country it up and go, you know, and stuff. But like. He, he comes music. through, you know, when I'm getting when I'm getting inspired too. to come up with that kind of thing. It like like the it's song the same uh, as rock and roll in a lot of ways, and that has three chords and the truth. The the song we got the B side on our seven inch with Tom is called uh, "Makes Me Vulgar," and it's it's like equal parts muddy roots and Waylon Jennings to me. I don't know what other people are going to hear. Alex but. and I got the country duo thing that we do on a semi regular basis. Uh, the felons, yeah. Yeah, and that's just fun as hell, and I get to play my country guitar licks. <laughs> well, man, uh, a band that uh, also is as co- controversial as No Effects and Bad Religion when it comes to the punk scene, a band that I've been going back and listening to this week was Social Distortion and <laughs> the White Light, White Heat, White Trash album. That's a very underrated record. It doesn't get as much love. A lot of people, when they think Social D, they go Story of My Life, Ball and Chain, or Mommy's Little Monster. I think of them as a cash ripoff. Yeah. With this record, it feels like it was a lot more of just a ripping punk rock record. It didn't feel like he was going for quite as much of the Johnny Cash shit or any of that other stuff. I mean, songs like Don't Drag Me Down, I mean, that's just a hard punk rocker. Especially their version of Under My Thumb. I like that. I like that version a lot, too. I'm not big on them, but there's a song that comes to mind. Um, I don't have the song title, but the course is like it's been no bed of roses but it's no crown of thorns like, yeah that, that's, that's on this record that's, that's a called good crown song. of thorns I, I thought it might be on that one uh, I, when i say i'm not big on it, i know that one record you were talking about that's got ball and chain on yeah, stuff. yeah i yeah. know everybody knows that one but uh other than that i don't know them but i know that song yeah and, that, and, and to me it, that song is a good representation of the songs that are on here when the angels sing um i was wrong like i said their version of under my thumb if you hadn't heard that i, I heard like a live it. version of that i the thought it was live, pretty good the li- uh, what live at the roxy or something like that yeah yeah and I, that was a little uh, slower i had a roommate a long time ago probably in 2000 they listened to that a lot and yeah. that was 
That was a good one. I like that. I did like that. That was. I think it's the first time I ever heard them. And the guitar tones on that record are really fucking solid too. Oh yeah, and they live up to their name, Social Distortion, on that record. The tones on there, <laughs> seriously, the guitars are almost blown out really? in some sections. There are so distorted. No, on the uh, record, white they light. Had, they always oh, had those okay. Les Pauls with the P nineties in them. Uh huh. And they would crank that I think shit. That guy so plays a like, bass man. Plays guitar. He to a does. Bass man. Yeah. I seen that on one of them rig rundowns. Yeah. I so love it. I, like I enjoyed those. that record. It, it, to me, it was a little bit of a different style from Social D. I've always liked them, and I'm going to check out the new record. I liked that last one that had like Machine Gun Blues on it. Hard Times and Nursery Rhymes. Yeah, I dug that record. <laughs> I know. It's, it's Sesame goofy. Street goes punk. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's goofy as shit, but I it's like... Picture, so, uh, Mike Ness singing Sesame Street songs. <laughs> exactly. I know, I know. All right, we've gone gone off long enough on this one. We are are devolving. (laughs) This has been another great episode. John, seriously, thank you so much for coming out. I hope you want to come back and do another one with us at some point. We'll just keep... Have me back. We'll just keep talking music, because since folks have now... It's kind of like with... when we had Clayton on and now when we had like Cody on, since we got a little bit of backstory and a little bit of who you are and everything, we'll kind of bring you back next time and talk about the past bands you've been in and maybe some crazy road stories. I got stories for the next 50 episodes. Or just, nerd, or just nerd out on all of the things too. I'm serious, man. I can I be know, a nerd. I know you're mm-hmm. not in town a whole lot, but when you are in town, you definitely got to hit us up. Well, I ain't that far away either. So you just got to tell me when. Excellent. Right I definitely want you back. And I think this will be a good little fun reoccurring guest to have on here. You have been a hell of a good time, man. Thank you. <laughs> and if you and if you guys liked them, definitely give a call in at our voicemail hotline. That number is 513-463-7439. I'm trying to do it without the notes, so hopefully I said that right. <laughs> I am 99% sure it's right. I've been saying it all week, so I was like, I got to quit looking at my notes. I have to memorize a fucking phone number. I don't have it memorized, so you're doing better than me. That's phones of cell phones are ruined us we don't remember numbers at all yeah, anymore they've ruined our memory we don't know yeah. anything about anything anymore no. nope <laughs> because all you gotta do is just hey siri what's the answer to this i don't even oh, console hey, hey, her boop, what do you know <laughs> hey, here we go she's trying to fucking do it all Welcome right our special guest siri <laughs> All right, shut up. All right, Cap, do you have an outro for us? Oh, we do have some housekeeping. Uh, we have a show coming up on April 19th. <laughs> what is this dance he's doing? <laughs> that's me reminding you that we have housekeeping. <laughs> hey, you learn in public boys. speaking, you got to use them hands. <laughs> Even if people can't see it. it I've works. been drinking beer. I've been drinking coffee. I may or may not have been uh, vaping stuff. <laughs> well, what's our housekeeping cap? That we have a show with the Remind War Boys. Me of a joke that I heard once. <laughs> where the punchline was eating pussy, popping pills, and moving on down the road. I think you just named the title of this episode. Right. There you go. <laughs> uh, John, I think that was a good enough answer. Yeah, we have a. No, don't do that. We, we do have a show April 19th. Definitely come out. With Warboys, with Walburns, with Bless the Dead. It's our first local show in a long time. Uh, come out and see us. six months. Yeah. November was the last local show. So, six months. I will take it a little bit personally if I don't see you fuckers out. 
So that's all I got to say. Oh, yeah, we do have the show. We can finally talk about May 25th at The Rim. We're coming back to The Rim. We are coming back to The Rim. Even if we have to play it by our fucking selves, yeah. we're coming back. <laughs> we'll do our Bruce Springsteen set. <laughs> we have a talented guy. He'll learn everything. <laughs> no pressure, DJ. <laughs> all right. Let's wrap this some bitch up. Cap, give us an outro. Uh... Listeners, give us a uh, cover set to learn for our three-hour set. The room. That's not an outro. How many times do I have to tell you what a fucking outro is? I wouldn't ask for that, man. They're gonna come up with some fucked up shit. Yeah, exactly. we're not. We don't. We're not playing what they fucking want. We play what we fucking want. Okay. They either deal with it or go outside and <laughs> okay. smoke. Okay, here's my outro. They'll go out and smoke if okay, they like here, it. Okay, here's my outro. These days. Uh, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe we've done a whole one yet. I was like, man, we didn't even made it to damn what are you mad at yet or whatever it's called. Because he had plenty to be mad at. I had that prepared. I was going to be like, you know what? I, this is this is a success story. Oh, I, I was like worried as fuck about Alex's toe on Monday. And then like two days later, I'm like, we have so much to talk about on this podcast this weekend. Dude, seriously, every time you'll have a guest... This has been another amazing production from the Cult of Dave Podcast Network. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it.